The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies. And fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Who's today doing his best Tom Waits impression. You sound great, Don, don't worry. <laughs> and tonight, we're going to be talking about light novels. What is a light novel? Where do they come from? What do they want? We have a man who can tell us the answers to these great and wonderful questions. His name is Justice Stone. Welcome to the show, Justice. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Justice, tell us a little bit about yourself to start with. Okay, well, uh, I started sort of my grand journey uh, as a self-published author. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got uh, three books in a series called The Bleeding Worlds. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully by the time this goes live, I should have the fourth one up for pre-order. Um, then as part of that sort of get your name out there into the world kind of thing that they encourage all of us self-published authors to do. I mm -hmm. started a YouTube channel and for a lot of years it kind of languished in disuse. I only did it every once in a while. It was all over the map. I did book reviews. I talked about it the odd movie I saw, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then in about 2000 and what would it have been about 2014, I guess, um, I started reading... Uh, Sword Art Online was released in light novel format. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was released by Yen On. And basically at that point, they started releasing more and more light novels. And mm -hmm. uh, about that point, I decided to myself, you know what? I really love these things mm -hmm. and I want to continue to sort of dedicate the channel. I thought, you know, this is the niche that I, I want to finally have this channel to be. And uh, it's pretty much been there ever since that's that's awesome yeah. <laughs> um actually so can you define a light novel what makes a light novel how is it different from a regular novel yeah it you know what this is where it's funny because there's a lot of raging debate about exactly how you can define a light novel mm -hmm. um it's First of all, it's sort of like a hybrid that it's a genre, not really a genre, but yet it's not really just a category either. So hmm. light novels, basically the, the terminology started in Japan. Uh, generally speaking, it was used sort of in the community itself, sort of like genre community hmm. uh, to describe novels that weren't really aimed at a specific age group, but they kind of acknowledged that the books were being appealed to a demographic that was into things like gaming, anime, mm -hmm. manga, like other media, essentially. Right. And, hmm. and they also acknowledged the fact that these novels, for the most part, were meant to be read as entertainment. They, right. they weren't necessarily to be sort of like your high literature type thing or, or even, you know, your really sort of high fantasy or hard sci-fi type novels. They, they were really meant to be more of a accessible type of form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And pretty much as 
things went along and as titles became popular, then crossover started and we had anime being based on some of these works. Uh, some of the earlier ones, um, I wouldn't consider it so much a light novel, but uh, there was a sci-fi series in Japan called Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, that was turned into an anime in like 1988. But right. probably the ones, the two series that really started this whole thing off were Record of Lotus War mm -hmm. and Slayers. These were two novel mm. series that the community kind of acknowledged as being these light novels. And they were adapted into an anime. Mm -hmm. And with their success, you have a lot of publishers in Japan starting to realize, oh, well, maybe if we combine this whole idea of manga imagery mm -hmm. plus with these sort of genre accessible type books, mm -hmm. we could gain a whole new audience. And so you have these books. So now light novels at this point are basically there's a wide variety of genres within the category of light novels. Mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking, as I said, they are mainly en meant for entertainment. They're, they're not considered to be high lit. Manga imagery is used to sort of market them and to, you know, they're used for cover art. Uh, typically light novels you'll find contain anywhere between 8 to 12 interior images in black and white in that same style, mm -hmm. usually done by the cover artist. Uh, a lot of very uh, early light novels when they were starting to sort of market them out, they actually used famous manga artists to try and entice people who read manga to buy the books. Right. Makes sense. Um, yeah. And so really light novels as a, as a term didn't really even become all that widely used uh, public wise until around the early 2000s. And that's when we sort of get this first book, this uh, magazine that's issued in 2006 called Kono Light Novel Ga Sugoi, which basically means this light novel is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and it basically, it, it you know, went to fans, went to professionals in the publishing business and sort of said, you know, tell us what these, what books you think are really great. <clears throat> and they published them. Now, th that's a very long sort of answer. And I that's guess the really, sh the, short mm -hmm. the shortest answer is what defines a light novel is if a publishing company says that it's a light novel. Like okay. that's the really, that's the crummy definition, mm. <laughs> but it's probably the truest one <laughs> because for everything that I've just said, you can find exceptions, right? right? Mm. And <clears throat> I think the, I think the main sort of thing to understand about light novels that, you know, a lot of people like to point out is that unlike say categories in particularly say North America, where you definitely have an age group attached mm -hmm. to a category Light novels defy that. They don't look at these novels and say, oh, you know, light novels are only for ages, you know, 13 to 18 or whatever. I think really the whole idea about light novels as a category is that for publishers, their belief is that these are novels that are going to appeal to the media savvy people that are out there that are consuming things like anime, manga, video games. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot, like particularly in the past, you know, say 10 years, we've seen a lot of video game terminology come into light novels, become sort mm -hmm. of very in, in style in these books. Um, I would say that light novels are very much known for having uh, a bit of an upward pace uh, they're very dialogue driven. Uh, you see a lot of, in the most part, they are series. 
Right. Uh, a lot of light novels have very extensive series. Um, and for a fact, like Sword Art Online is 20 volumes in Japan. Uh, there's series that are even longer than that. And hmm. generally, if unlike, say, a series of books that we would see in North America, like, you know, Young Adult does this often where they have sort of series. Mm-hmm. This And even my own books are the same, is that the series tells one story. Mm-hmm. So from book one to, say, book four, it's one story. Mm-hmm. And the books all feed off to tell this one larger story. In light novels, even if there is sort of a bigger idea at play a lot of the books either in say a single volume or in sets of two in each series will have what they can can call arcs Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. they have sort of a within this grander story they also have these smaller stories Mm -hmm. so um one series in particular uh just that i i read and it's actually by the same author of sword art online raki kawahara it's called excel world Mm-hmm. And it has characters. It's set in the future, virtual reality. Being able to sort of dive into a virtual world is a reality kind of thing. And the main characters find sort of this pirate program, and it's a fighting game. Mm-hmm. And the the big story is who created this game and for what purpose. Mm-hmm. And there, there's lots of mysteries about the game, how the game seems to tie into the security camera network that at this point has become, you know, prolific all throughout Japan. So they're like, who would have that access? So this is sort of the big mystery. But in the series, you have each individual sort of these smaller stories. So, you know, there's these group of people that are trying to ruin the game. So one arc is trying to defeat that group. And mm-hmm. then... There is another storyline about a character becoming infected with, basically it's a virus that is going to corrupt him, not even just inside the game itself, but even potentially outside the game. So that arc is about overcoming that. So we have all these smaller storylines that have a very definite beginning and end, and yet they're still sort of all lined up within this larger umbrella story that you have going on at the same time. Um, light novels mm-hmm. in general, I think because they are so long, because the series can go for such a long time, mm-hmm. and also because uh, we're seeing more and more light novels being adapted into anime, a lot of light novels, even stylistically, contain at least a portion of the book that's dedicated to explaining what's happened before. Right. So, mm-hmm. So you'll almost always have a character that, you know, they'll meet up with a character that has been around for four volumes, but there's at least one line of text that tells you who the heck this person is. Right. And, and Mm. I mean, in a lot of North American novels or other novel formats, they would just be like, well, you should have been reading since number one. So you should know who this person is. I'm not (laughs) going to bother telling you, Mm. but because these companies, the publishing companies in Japan, because a lot of them are also involved in anime their assumption is, is that maybe you've watched the anime and now you're jumping in at, say, volume five because the anime adapted volumes one to four. And so mm-hmm. coming in at volume five, there may be some things that the anime missed, so they still want to keep you up to date so you don't feel like you're left out of the loop because you're jumping in later. That That's very interesting. So they're designed to, yeah. for people to jump in at different points if they want to. Exactly. And and in fact, the, a lot of these companies, they're, they're building these book series almost as a multimedia 
concept right from the get-go. So the whole idea is that if the light novel is successful, there will be a manga series that spins off from it. There will be an anime series. Uh, a lot of light novels are getting like mobile games or full-on video games like Sword Art Online, obviously very famous example, probably the most you know, prolific in terms of North American market has had numerous games on the PlayStation platform. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, so they really are using these light novels as a vehicle, not just to drive the novel itself, but to drive these huge multimedia sort of empires. And then the whole idea of course, is that you're still driving the sales of the book at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. That, that makes sense. It kind of, um, Almost reminds me of the uh, the old pulp novels that we used to have, say, mm. back in like the 30s and the 40s. Yeah, and you're like you're not you're not wrong actually, and because a lot of those pulp novels, um, you know, started as sort of like short stories or or sequential serials that were published mm -hmm. in magazines and then comp compiled, and that actually is how a lot of light novels have begun, and mm -hmm. now we're seeing in today's day and age because we have digital media, uh, one of the major sources for light novels are websites where people publish short stories. Like if you're familiar with uh, Wattpad is probably one of the bigger platforms mm. in North America. Yes, yes um, it is. Yeah, so <laughs> in Japan, they have one that's uh, quite uh, a huge thing. It's uh, Shosetsukya ni Naro. Now, my pronunciations are awful, I have to admit. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, but basically, it means let's become a novelist. Yep. That, that's the, what it basically <laughs> translates to. And so you have people posting these serial novels there. Mm -hmm. And if they get popular enough, then they're being approached by publishers and they're having them published as novels. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah. And even record, like, uh, I mean, even looking at history uh, uh, between light novels, Record of Lotus War, which was, like I said, one of the earlier titles that had sort of this cross media success, mm -hmm. it actually started life in a magazine as a replay of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. So basically what mm -hmm. they did was the, the author was the dungeon master and he created this campaign of Lotus war mm -hmm. and each person basically role played their character and he would write down what happened during the game. Mm -hmm. And then he would publish these replays in magazines so it was sort of like an early pen and paper version of let's play videos yeah, on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and and then once it became popular enough, he then sat down with these and sort of readapted them a bit and sort of not you know fit it more to a novel format and added some sort of exposition text and stuff and then released them as a series of novels. Mm. Well, yeah, because that was um, I can remember if you go back. To say the uh, like even the 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 very very early eighties, a lot of the uh, the animation magazines and gaming magazines would have these serialized stories that they were text. They'd usually have one or two big pictures, yeah. and they they'd they'd have uh, they'd have similar themes to whatever the magazine was. So if it was a gaming mag, it would be like uh, a gaming story or usually like a, a sword and sorcery kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yep, the Japanese, and... I don't think, ever really lost the whole um, pulp novel thing. They've actually always yeah. had serial novels. It never went away for them. It started around the same time it did for us, really, maybe even earlier, because they got it from the Europeans around the same time North Americans did. 
And then they, like, I mean, late 1800s. And then they just kind of, uh, the Japanese ran with it. And I think they never lost it. Because magazines are still more popular, I believe, in Japan today than they are here. The magazine industry is dying. But over there, it's at least a little more lively than it is here. Yeah, that's the sense I get from it, too. You still see ads for magazines and, like, newspapers and that from Japan. You just don't see that here anymore. Oh, no. And I mean, and again, like, you're... It, I think it's too because pop culture in Japan just seems to be such more of a driving force um, across the board. Mm. And yeah. and you see, like, you know, and a lot of people are putting money into this stuff. Like, it's funny, even with, uh, you know, if you take a look at light novels, I mean, initially, uh, if you take a look at it historically, it starts evolving out of kids publishing, out of publishing for kids. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Last year and and this year, the publication I was talking about, Kono Light Novel Gasugoi. Right. Initially, when it published in 2006 for the first time, it had a single list of the top 10 light novels. Mm -hmm. Well, and most of those light novels were released in what they call a bunko format, which Mm -hmm. is sort of like a mass market, you know, what we would call sort of our pulpy mass market type books. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. they also have what they call a tonkuban format, which is sort of like a a trade paperback, you know, heavier mm-hmm. cardstock covers, better quality paper and so forth. Well, as the audience for light novels has aged, they now have the last two years split that list over the top 10 Bunko light novels and the top 10 Tonkobon hmm. light novels, because they're acknowledging huh. that the Tonkobon are more expensive and therefore are kind of aimed at a slightly older audience. And so fans who may be of those are not necessarily reading the Bunko, which are still predominantly, not entirely, mm-hmm. but still predominantly aimed at that sort of younger teenage audience. So now you have light novels that are being marketed more towards people that are late teens, early 20s and older. In fact, it's really funny because uh, on my channel, I do a weekly countdown of the top 10 best-selling light novels in Japan. And there have been increasingly a number of titles coming out that involve middle-aged characters, characters that are in their 40s. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So, and, and again, like appealing to that, you know, getting away from that teenager main character and introducing main characters who are older and have an older ideal. Huh. Wow. That That so, is an interesting thing. Well, again, Japan has an aging population, right? So, uh, and... As you said, the people who started reading light novels when they were young, they still want to have some of that feeling. Well, I think it, I mean, we see sort of parallels in our own culture, right? Like when, I mean, I I gather from our listening to your podcast, you guys are about the same age as me. We're all about yeah. 40s or so. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when we saw Star Wars as a kid, mm-hmm. the only things they had available for you to to buy were the cheap little Hasbro, you know, figures that weren't very articulated and everything else. And, but now here we are in this day and age and they're putting out these black box figures that are highly detailed and everything else. And they're aiming at a collector market because they realize that there are 40 year old men or women, even for that Mm -hmm. matter, that love this thing still. And now are looking to collect and display as opposed to just having these little action figures that they play with. Right. Right. And I think, and, and I mean, you know, you think about like the live action Transformers movies. I mean, we can argue that they may have still been aimed at kids, but I mean, they are creating these things because they realize that people who are 40 still have an affection 
for that stuff. And whether we're doing it for ourselves or whether we're doing it because we're saying to our kids, Hey, this is awesome. You, you know, let's go watch this together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because they're still marketing it to us. And I kind of get that mm-hmm. sense that we're seeing that still, uh, we're seeing that in Japan with whether it be light novels, even, you know, whether it be manga, anime, um, I think they're sort of seeing that same thing is that they have an audience that's getting older. They have an audience that's growing up and whether they're directly marketing it to them or marketing to them to then pass it to their children, they're still trying to create a product that's going to be accessible despite age. Mm. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Good stories are good stories. Well, that's it. I think so. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, you just described kind of... Okay, well, here. What is uh, a typical Japanese light novel reader like? Is there, do we have any idea what you know what your typical consumer of light novels is? <laughs> well, you know, it's... it's. I mean, I, I t- took a look at this a little bit. I even reached out to a couple of people on Twitter I know. Some of them even live in Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, sort of said to them, like, I, I know based on my analytics on YouTube what my audience is like, but... What what is this audience like in Japan? And so they they said essentially you're still looking at a market that's very driven towards teenagers. Hmm. Um, you know that is still the predominant market. Uh, I would say from the titles that you see, uh, predominantly there is still a bias towards males, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and definitely there is a concerted effort to appeal to fans of video games anime and manga they are looking for stories that speak to these to this sort of group right so Mm -hmm. that's where you have a a story like sword art online i mean we could argue day and night whether it's actually a really well written series or not but Mm -hmm. the fact Mm -hmm. is is that it's one of the first ones that a sort of lived up to that whole idea of a living video game B introduced the high stakes of die in the game, die for real. Right. And C featured a relatively wussy looking kid who was a gamer <laughs> who becomes a God saves hundreds of people's thousands of people's lives and, and ends up with the hot, perfect girl. Mm. And I mean, you know, mm. it's this whole wish fulfillment, right? It's yeah. this whole idea of, you know, Hey, you, you, you teenage sort of otaku kid who loves to play video games, you can be a hero. Yeah, yeah. And huh. and I th- and you see, like, you know, I, I, we were, you know, potentially we'll probably end up talking about sort of main characters and what characters are like in these books. Right, and, yeah, we'll get to and, that too. Yeah, and we do see a lot of that where it's like the, the main character is almost the audience that they're trying to mm. appeal to. Right. Because they mm-hmm. want that wish fulfillment. They want that being able to fill yourself in. Um, it reminds me of like the whole thing. Uh, I mean, wow, it's really not fitting in with this topic. But do you remember Twilight, how they said like the main heroine was <laughs> such a, a blank slate and that yep. half the reason was so that women and girls could insert themselves into her story easier? Yep. Mm-hmm. And and so I think you kind of see that a, a lot in light novels mm-hmm. um, where uh, where you have characters that are you know, meant to emulate their audience. So Mm. definitely there is that bias. Now, at the same time, uh, you know, I know that you wrote sort of a book on shonen. So, you know, of course there's shoujo, right? Of course. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course you see that in light novels as well. You see light novels that are written specifically with a female audience in mind and Mm -hmm. female main characters. Um, So I think like it's one of those things where, 
there is something for everybody, but, and, and the same thing is like what you see in gaming too, right? There's a game for everyone, but I think that just like gaming, you still definitely see a bias in leaning towards and creating merchandise that's more, uh, aimed at boys and that there's a larger amount of it. Right. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think that's because um, that's actually the audience or is that just what the, uh, the publishers and the merchandisers think is the audience? Well, I, you know what? I think that there's certainly an element of that. I mean, you know, I, 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 I think it's the, it's the same thing that you see in, like I said, like I, I always compare it to video games because it's, so many light novels are structured that way and there's so much crossover appeal. Um, mm. But, you know, I think that's the way. Like, you know, when people had like games like Mortal Kombat, I'm pretty sure that Ed Boon thought, oh, the high testosterone dudes are going to love ripping people's heads off. But <laughs> does that mean that my wife can't kick my butt at Mortal Kombat? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, heck, I think that's half the reason we ended up getting married was because I was like, man, this chick is awesome. <laughs> you know? um, and so I think there's definitely that perception. And I think because you have light novels kind of being born out of that early gaming uh, community, which was predominantly male. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, we have seen obviously in recent years with things like the whole Gamergate thing and everything else that males have been very loud about it. They were probably the, whether they were truly the predominant consumer, they were certainly the loudest of the consumers (laughs) and probably, and and probably the ones who were most willing to pony up their money for it. So yes, I, I do think that initially it started off and they weren't completely unjustified in that. Now, is that true today? I, I think it's still, I think today it's a little bit more of a bias as opposed to maybe the actual truth. Um, I mean, if you take a look like uh, just last year in Japan, um, well, I guess actually it came out in 2016. There was an animated movie called Your Name. Oh, okay. And, um, And if you, and like, it's, it's a beautiful movie, but the center piece of it really is a love story and a story about self discovery. And even though I think it's, it's messages are universal, I wouldn't look at it and go, wow, this was totally made for guys, Mm -hmm. you know? And yet it's the highest grossing animated movie that's ever been out in Japan. So, you know, is the anime market dominated by male money? I, I don't know if that's really true. I think it's just that the product has to be right. Yeah. And I think that boys keep spending their money on this. And so I think, yes, the publisher's, are pumping out more and more product to appeal to boys. Uh, I think that is still like, I mean, in, in, in terms of the titles that we've had officially licensed and released in English, almost all of them are aimed at a male audience and right. hardly any of them. Like I think uh, I was looking, I, I've reviewed, I've reviewed books from about 56 different series. And I think out of those 56 series, maybe four or five of them have a main female character. Hmm. So, I mean, it kind of gives you an idea what obviously even publishers in North America are kind of thinking in terms of, you know, who's the audience for these books, which books are going to do well and succeed, right? Yeah, yeah, because that was one of the weird things I know uh, for North America, uh, say like a decade or so back, 
when they started bringing more of the uh, the Japanese cartoons and comics here, they made the discovery that a lot of the shonen stuff, like say your Naruto, had really high percentages of female readers. Yeah. And I don't think the American companies knew what to do with that because historically, like, an action comic was a guy thing. Yes. And and I, I think that kind of that kinda confusicated the issue for people here. And I was wondering if in Japan that was kind of the same. Yeah, I unfortunately I that I'm not a hundred percent sure of, you know, I, and I don't even know if I don't even know if the, the Japanese publishers themselves have any idea. Like I said, they are still yeah. they are still very actively creating products that seem to be very black and white in terms of who they're aimed at. You know, yeah. they're, they are definitely creating products. I mean, just the fact even that they have terminology for shonen shoujo, <laughs> you know, just the fact yeah. that that is, that is applied very liberally to whether it be anime, manga, uh, light novels, um, you know, definitely they are creating products that in their mind are, this is a male product. This is a female product. If there's cross appeal, I don't think they care, but definitely I think <laughs> I think from a marketing point of view and certainly you see it in terms of the artwork on these uh on the books. Uh yeah. you know, definitely, you know, if you're more familiar I mean, most people are more familiar with manga. I mean, you can pretty much look at a shelf and look at 15 covers and go that's a girl manga, that's a boy manga, that's a girl manga just because of the artwork style that they use. Mhm. Yeah. Right. And they do the same thing with light novels. The, you know, you look at a cover of a light novel and yep, that's, that's definitely a, a book that's aimed at girls. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not even just the art style. It's just, what is the art even? I mean, a lot of male oriented light novels usually have very cute girls and skimpy clothing, or they have very, you know, they have their male characters and their sort of heroic poses and everything else. And <laughs> But then when you take a look at a, a light novel that's more aimed at a shoujo audience, you see, you know, fully clothed girls with a happy smile on their face and the sort of, you know, effeminate, beautiful boys behind them sort of looking stoic and everything else. So yeah, That's the great irony, I was going to say. I think you would probably find more men on shoujo covers than you will actually on stuff for the boys. Yeah, because the oh, boy yeah. stuff is all pretty much just cute girl on the cover. That's all. That's all that's there. Whereas the, at least the covers for girls actually have boys on them. Yep. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and that, and that's absolutely true. Like, I mean, even if I, even as I just sort of sit here looking at my own sort of shelf, I mean, almost pretty much every single cover, even if it has a male character, will still have at least one to two female characters as well. You, you almost, hmm. I, I can't think of a single. Oh, I take that back. I'm looking at one right now that mm -hmm. actually just has a lone male on the cover. Almost every single other one has either just a female or a mix. Mm. Huh. Yeah. So What's it's, that it's, special one? Uh, funny enough, it's a series called Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so that's sort of an interesting series even to talk about because mm. the, the author, when he put it out on, he started it off as a web novel mm -hmm. and when he published it himself, he called it Familia Myth because the whole, I, 
I mean, it's kind of convoluted, but basically it's this story about a city that is on top of a labyrinth that spawns monsters. And these mm -hmm. sort of families grow up around these gods who have come down to Earth and they compete with each other to hunt resources from this labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And so each one is a familia. He uses sort of Latin terms for it. Well, when he got picked up by a publisher, apparently the story goes that his editor said to him, this title is not going to be marketable. You should change the title. <laughs> right. And that apparently his publisher, his, his editor was the one who came up with this whole, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Hmm. Because he thought it would feed into that whole harem, cute girls and everything else. And that that would entice a male audience to pick up the book. Right. <laughs> huh. And I'm sure he would, they were completely right. Well, I mean, what's funny about it though, is that when you read the book, I mean, the main character is hardly interested in girls at all. Like he, he has this sort of, <laughs> he was raised by his grandfather who told him that it was a man's romance to have a harem of girls. Uh-huh. And then he ends up basically with a whole bunch of girls who have affection for him, but he is so innocent and so naive that he doesn't realize it hmm. huh. and won't take advantage of it and is just this good kid. And so it's like, it makes it sound like, yeah, the story's all about this guy who goes into the dungeons and picks up hot girls and it couldn't be any further than the truth. Hmm. And in fact, the story gets very dark. Like it deals with at one point it deals with how because of this city and the rough adventurers and stuff, it has prostitution, human trafficking, like trying to tell people what the book is about and get them to buy into <laughs> it when the title is, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? It's just uh, like, it's one of those things where I'll read <laughs> these things. I'll read these things on a break at work or whatever. And you know, people will look at me and be like, what the hell are you reading? Like, <laughs> You know, like, like, and and you try to tell them no 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 i know the title sounds ridiculous but actually it's a really good series <laughs> uh-huh and they roll their eyes and they yeah. go yeah oh. justice okay well, sure and they walk and, away and, and like and like how can you convince them otherwise when most of the covers have like these cute like japanese mm. anime girls with their boobs bouncing out of their shirt i mean really like how do you mm. how do you tell them oh no really it's like good literature <laughs> <laughs> no the, there is a trick you can use Oh, oh, yeah. I've I've used the trick if if like I'm reading something with a weird title like that. Say, oh, it's it's Japanese. It makes sense in Japanese. And most people are like, oh, okay, and they wander away. <laughs> uh, the only other one I've heard is just switch to eBooks, and then people can't see the cover. Yeah. Ah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, right? I mean, romance novels, of course, were traditionally very popular, but since the eBook revolution, they're actually even. 10 times more popular than they were before because everyone can just read them on their phone without, you know, any embarrassment basically. Right. So even yep. women were embarrassed to read romance novels before be seen by their friends reading it. But now you never, you never know what people are reading. So everyone just reads stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's been, there have been light novels that I've kind of looked at the cover of it and been like, well, that's one I've got to read at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, yeah. I imagine. Actually, are, have they published any light novels in English that are actually full-on, like, hentai? No. no. No, no, no. Nothing like that yet, no. Um, it's, I, I mean, there's lots of, like, what they call, like, the like the eshi. So, yeah. like, you know, the wink-wink, yeah. nudge-nudge. It's mm -hmm. a little naughty-sounding, but it's, but yeah, no. Nothing that's full-on hentai. Uh, I think, 
Actually, what's really funny is I was just uh, on Twitter and there's a main company that's been out for about a year or so now and they put out quite a few light novels in English. They're called J Novel Club. And uh, somebody asked them about, have you ever thought about going like a hard R18 plus type light novel? And their response basically was, you know what, it's not that we're opposed to it, but we really have no evidence that would say that that wouldn't lose money for us. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that a lot of these companies, that's the whole idea is that it's like, you know, maybe we would, but truth is, A, do we want people, you know, do we want our reputation to be that we published porn and B, mm. you know, the amount of money that we're going to spend paying for the license, paying for the translation, paying for the printing and everything else, are we going to make that money back? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I mean... Well, and I think too, like a lot of these books, like um, the Yenon, Yenon's another company that publishes a lot of these books. They actually publish right on the back of the book what the age range would be for it. So mm. 13 and up, 16 and up. I don't think I've seen anything more than 16 and up. Right. So they're still yeah. trying to aim at that mid-teenage age bracket. And I, yeah, I really don't see them going that way. Mm. Um, like I think that would, if anything... I think you would have to see that in the realm of a company that was very much aimed at adult material. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you keep, uh, there's, there's a website uh, that years ago used to do scanlations of hentai manga called mm -hmm. Faku. And uh, they have actually recently now gone legit and they are now publishing titles themselves that are hentai 18 plus no like manga mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. a company like that i could maybe think one day maybe they might try it right yeah um even if they only did it in like say an ebook format because then you're not paying the the publishing the printing costs right but yeah. um but i i could only think that a company that was already known as a hentai company would be the first one to try and put something like that out Right. And like, a, because at that point, their reputation's already based on adult material, right? right. So it's not yeah. like anyone's going to turn around and go, oh my gosh, they have porn. Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. We've always had porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that actually leads to an interesting question then. So, okay, so we talked about what the typical light novel reader in Japan might be like. We're still puzzling that through. <laughs> what are the English readers like? What, wh how are they getting an English audience? Who, who is buying this stuff? Well, I think that what you find now, I mean, again, like I'm, I'm basing this on my experiences. I'm basing this even just on, on what I get in terms of my YouTube channel. Um, if I look at say my analytics for my YouTube channel, which YouTube loves to break all this kind of stuff down for you, 85% mm -hmm. of my audience is 18 to 34 years of age. Mm -hmm. hmm. And about 89% of my audience is male. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So, so if if I go by, you know, my interactions with most of the people, whether it be online, whether it be uh, through my YouTube channel, Twitter, what have you, the vast majority of the people that I deal with are male and are, you know, 16 and up. But most mm. of them seem to be college students and up. Right. Hmm. And I, I, and again, like, I don't know, I can't say for sure why that is. Uh, maybe mm. it's because... It could very well just be because the older audience has more patience for the written word. I think um, that might be it. 
Yeah. It it could be. No, no, no. Yeah. But it could be. I think too, like one of the things with me with light novels and one of the reasons that I was enthusiastic about reading them was um, particularly, and I mean, this is, it's happening more and more now, but you know, there were series that came out. Excel world was actually one of them where an anime came out. It was say 24, I think 24 or 25 episodes long. Mm -hmm. And you knew by the end of it, that the story really hadn't been told. Right. All right. Like you knew that this is kind of, you finished an arc, but you certainly haven't told me anything about the bigger story about who made this program. Why, why does this thing exist? Mm -hmm. And, then you go online and you're like, is there going to be a second season? Is that why they left it all open? And you discover, oh, this is actually based on a novel series. Mm-hmm. And the novel series is 18 plus novels long. And the anime only covered the first four books. Right. <laughs> and so as an audience that's into that, then you're kind of like, well, how do I find out the rest of the story? And that was kind of why that was part of the impetus for me to get into light novels was they started bringing out books that were finishing series that I had seen as anime. And I really didn't know, is there ever going to be any more of it? Where does the story go from here? And so you pick up the light novels and you find out. Mm. And, uh, you know, and even, and I mean, I think a perfect example of this is uh, a really popular anime that came out uh, in the past year was called Re Zero. And, the Japanese publisher, the anime covered up until the ninth volume, which was the most recent volume that had been released in Japan. And when the Japanese publisher was going <coughs> to be publishing the 10th volume, it actually advertised it as read the continuation of the anime. Right. <laughs> it's still, like I said, I mean, the books are still being marketed predominantly to a male uh, a male demographic. Uh, as I said, you know, out of 56 series, five of them have a female main character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have... The stories are usually very male-centric. They have numerous female characters all built around the male character, sort of what we typically call a harem-type story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the male that is the hero and everything else. There's typically levels of violence and everything and that kind of stuff. So it, it's definitely aimed at the male audience, um, you know, and... I think even more so in North America, like in North America right now, there's only one company uh, and it's a smaller company. It's called cross infinite worlds. And they are the only company that I know of that is publishing light novels that are specifically aimed more at a female audience than a male audience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And other than that, the vast majority of the other publishers are putting out books that are mostly male centric and, I think too have also been proven to be popular with audiences through other media, such as anime right. is, is the biggest mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these companies obviously are going for safe bets. Yeah. Like they, yeah. I mean, you know, you're paying, like I said, that's a lot of money. Um, even you figure like a manga has nowhere near the number of words that a, a full on novel does. So the amount of money you're paying to translate a manga as opposed to pay to translate a novel is considerably lower. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. So um, I think people see these light novels initially as a bit more of a risk, and that's why they want to go with the stuff that's proven. So mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of the ones that are anime, that have an anime, that have, you know, popular manga that they figure, oh, well, people will be interested in reading the book. A number of companies now are starting to do surveys, like, tell us what you want to read. 
and they're mm-hmm. basing their licensing decisions on those as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, definitely I'd say in North America, just on my experience with that fandom, it's, it is predominantly male and it definitely does. It seems to be more of a college age and up. And I, I also wonder if that's just because there's a bit more of a disposable income there as well. Uh, you know, most yeah. people that are 16, you know, 16, 15, 16 is usually the average age that most mm-hmm. of us get employed in North America. Um, right. So I think at yeah. that point, you know, that's where you're finding more of the disposable income where people are able to go out and buy a book for themselves and spend that money, um, you know, and and. Yeah, I just, I think that that's probably why you see it that way. Right. Um, hmm. I also say to my son, uh, you know, my son told me, oh, well, the big difference, he and I are very similar in terms of what we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, oh, but the only big difference is you like books and I don't. And I said to him, well, that's because when I was growing up, I didn't have video games and I didn't have, hmm. you know, I didn't have YouTube <laughs> channels and I didn't have all this other stuff. I said, if I wanted a big story, I had to read it. That was it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some generational things going on there too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think even novel reading, I think is, is still like a a skill that is probably a bit more popular with a slightly older audience. Mm. You know, I think kids particularly because they have grown up in this age of, you know, video games that can take you a hundred hours to complete. Yeah. Um, I, I think to them, like, why do I need to read a book for a big grand story when I can spend a hundred hours or, you know, God, 300 hours on Skyrim or whatever, Uh, (laughs) you know, I don't think there's that same thing. And then I think you get older and you kind of appreciate having some quiet and stuff. And you're like, oh, you know, reading books are kind of (laughs) cool. No, I I think you're definitely onto something there. I definitely think it's just, just something I find fascinating. So you mentioned Wattpad earlier. Wattpad's demographics. Now, Wattpad, I've heard different numbers, but generally yeah. speaking, they have somewhere between 30 and 60 million users on Wattpad. Oh, it's, yeah, it's huge from what it, I saw. It, yeah. huh. But I've also heard that they're generally about 80% female. Yeah. And that uh, Wattpad is basically like it's because it, it did start as a fan fiction site, although they greatly moved away from that. But right. And but so that's one of the things I find fascinating is, is the young adult readers in North America are primarily women. Yet stuff like light novels, for example, your audience is young men instead. So it's interesting that you're that there is that male audience, but obviously they're not being um, served. I guess you could say what they want, or maybe this is how they're finding what they want. I mean, there's something that they weren't getting before that they're getting now through the light novels. I think. Yeah, well, it, it's an interest. It is interesting. Like when I before I decided to dedicate my YouTube channel to just light novels. I, I used to do with some manga reviews as well. And I had a substantially higher percentage of females uh, mm-hmm. watching my videos at that point than mm-hmm. I do now that I'm all on light novels. Right. Hmm. And so it even seems like on a, even in terms of manga consumption, it seems that there's more girls interested in manga um, than there are, say light novels and and i mm. i can't help but think it's it's partly because of how it's marketed like manga again right like i think manga have because manga have been in the north american market a lot longer and have had you know there's far more manga titles than there are light novel titles at this point i i think that there's less of a gender bias in that mm. segment mm. and and i have to wonder too if you know for a for a girl 
I mean, obviously I'm not a girl. I don't, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing the kind of covers that are on light novels compared to a lot of manga covers that aren't necessarily quite as geared to boys and Mm -hmm. heterosexual boys at that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder if maybe girls feel that manga are more accessible. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, as I said, it's just because manga have been around so much longer that it, this is just still like a bit of an unknown segment. And it's really the older fanboys mm. who are aware of them and are, you know, picking them up. I, it is it is an mm. interesting, it's a really interesting question. And like I said, I've puzzled over it myself looking at my analytics mm. and I'm like, wow, I've only got, I used to have, you know, 23, 25% audience being female and ever since i've gone light novels exclusively it's down to 10.5 10. 10.8 hmm. it's significantly reduced right but have you found your male audience like your overall audience i should say has actually increased since you went oh, light novel absolutely absolutely wow. um you know i when i was floundering and just doing whatever i think my count i was at about 267 subscribers um, and then in 2015 was when about summer of 2015 was when I said, okay, I'm going to do only light novels. And then in the year 2016, my channel grew by about 870 subscribers. Mm. But then in this past year of 2017, it's over 2,100 people it's grown by. Mm. So mm. I did almost, you know, two and a half times what I did the year before. And yet, wow. yes, it is still predominantly male. So Definitely, I think, well, I think part of it is because light novels, uh, the comments that I see again and again are like, you know what, I love that you're doing this because nobody else is. Mm. You know, light novels are still, as much as light novels have been around for a good number of years, and you'll find, you know, you'll find fan communities on Reddit, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for many, many years, the only way to get light novels was through books that were translated by fans, because companies just were not bringing them over. Um, you know, you he- see these huge communities of, of, that have grown up around that, um, but nobody's really said, okay, I'm going to dedicate one of my social channels 100% only to this. Right. Hmm. You know, there's always a mix of either manga, anime, what have you, but I think you'll find if you go on YouTube, there's way more channels that are dedicated either exclusively to manga or exclusively to anime Hmm. I, I seem to be about the only one that's crazy enough to just, you know, spend all the money I do on books every single month and, rele- uh, and review them. Hmm. <laughs> well, and I think the other, th- well, I think the other thing too is, is that when you're talking about YouTube in particular, right? You know, uh, one of the things they always try to hammer home is, oh, you've got to have content, you've got to post regularly. Well, I can read a volume of manga within a couple, within an hour, mm-hmm. and yeah. and have a review up on YouTube within half an hour of it. Whereas if I'm sitting here reading a novel, that's going to take me five, six hours. Mm -hmm. And I need to sort of decompress a lot more information about what I'm going to review and talk about Mm -hmm. than I am in a volume of manga. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think, and I have to wonder if that's maybe part of the reason too. Um, Plus, plus from Mm -hmm. a financial point of view, I mean, man, like I'd save so much money if I reviewed anime because for nine bucks (laughs) a month, I watch Crunchyroll as much as I want. Yep. (laughs) Whereas nine bucks won't even buy me a single book in Canada. Yeah, Hmm. unfortunately, that's true. And light novels, the ones they're publishing, like in English, are not cheap, I noticed. Oh, no, they're like, I say on average, they're about 16 bucks a pop. 
Wow. Yeah. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and they're often not even a complete story. I mean, that's that's a piece of an arc in many cases, isn't it? Um, often, yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, I mean, early. it seems like basically how a series usually seems to go is the first book or two are, even though they may introduce sort of a larger story, those volumes are more of a self-contained arc. They won't carry over to a sort of a two-volume story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because uh, one of the other major sources of light novel material are from competitions that they hold in Japan. Right. And you have hmm. to and you have to give them a complete story, a single volume. Ah, okay. And so okay. that's where you see like these, you know, series will come out and they'll do one or two books that are self-contained. And I think that's the publishers encouraging them to sort of, well, we're giving it a try. And then once you get to volume number three or volume number four, that's where you start seeing like the two book and the three book kind of arcs that come out. Right. Well, manga does the same thing, though. If you pay attention, you'll notice that the first manga story for almost every series is usually about three times the length of a normal, you know, release and is usually a complete story of one kind or another. Now, it's a lead into the main story, but it will right. be a complete story about that character having some adventure. Basically, it just introduces the lead character is what it does, and often yeah. the situation. But it's right. basically, it's here, it's what we used to call, we old TV people would call a pilot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And, hmm. well, and it's it's interesting how sometimes that can create problems for some of these series. Um, again, I, I keep going back to Sword Art Online, but it's just such an easy series to poke at in terms mm-hmm. of how, and, and because so many people are, are aware of it. It's, and have heard of um, it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've heard about it. Um, in fact, there's even, supposedly, they're going to be doing a North American TV series of it. Yeah, I, I just uh, heard that too. It's like, yeah. okay, well, I can yeah. see it, but I think it's still going to, it's probably going <laughs> to crash and burn, but who knows? Okay, fine. Well, I think it'll depend on whether they decide to try and follow the source material or they just use the idea. I would bet they are going to use the idea, but they're going to do the kind of the walking dead thing where it's like, we're going to use the idea and we're going to stretch it out over 10 seasons. Yeah. And cherry cherry pick what we think are the best ideas out of it. Yeah. Well, with sword art, with sword art online, um, the first book. So the, the, sort of main thing that everyone knows about Sword Art Online is is that a whole bunch of people log into this game, they get trapped inside of it, and if you die in the game, then you die for real. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole mm-hmm. story of the game starting and the game ending is told in the very first book of Sword Art Online. Yeah. Because it was created as an entry for a competition. Mm-hmm. And that's and then so what he did in the second book of Sword Art Online, once it was picked up, once it was published, was it's short stories set in that game, but it's all out of sequence, of course, because the story's already been told. Right, yeah. And and that's why you, I think you get a lot of people complaining, like when you watch the anime, it seems so disjunct in some places where you're like, how much time has passed? And how does this work? And why did he meet this character and then seem to have nothing to do with them for the longest time, even though they seem to hit it off? And that's, I think, because they actually, to create the anime of that story, they took the first volume. They took the second volume, which were short stories. They took some short stories from the eighth volume of the series. And then, <laughs> and then Reki Kawahara, because, you know, enough money isn't enough, decided to rewrite Sword Art Online, just the Einkrad arc, mm-hmm. and in a series called Sword Art Online Progressive. Mm-hmm. 
and hmm. it's and it's him basically trying to tell the story the way that he would want to, which is the whole series is only that story. Right. And hmm. so you have two different series plus three different books all being mishmashed and Frankensteined to create that first arc of the anime. Hmm. And and it's also why then suddenly people are like, well, I liked that Aincrad storyline. Why do we have to worry about fairies and everything in this new storyline, right? This new hmm. arc. And he's like, well, and, and it's because he created the problem where he, because he ended Aincrad, the only way to continue the series was to make a new game. Right. Mm. <laughs> so and, you, and it's... trap everyone else in it again. <laughs> <laughs> For totally other I, reasons, but still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would start taking up checkers at this point in that setting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think the whole idea is, is that it was, like I said, it, it feeds into that um fantasy sort of that that um you know dreaming and the the whole wish fulfillment and i mean if you're yeah. big into gaming the idea that you could go into a game world and live in that world experience that world with your own senses and everything else i mean it is kind of an intoxicating idea mm. oh yeah and, definitely and i think that even if you were scared because of hearing a bad story about what happened you might mm. put off doing that for a while. Like you're not, not going to be there launch day. Cause what happens if I get trapped in it, but <laughs> you might wait a year. And if everything seems to go fine and the people who adopted are fine and there's no problems, I would seem, I'd say a lot of people would still flock to it once it had proven itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where Kawahara tried to take the mm -hmm. sword art series was to say, well, yeah, you know what? Um, the company that put this out, they fell apart. They crashed. Another company bought up the stocks. They started bringing out this technology, but you know, they had to make sure that they convinced everybody it was safe and this and that, mm -hmm. and they had pe experts look at it and you know what I mean? So he tries to speak to how they rebuilt this technology to still mm -hmm. entice people to come back to it. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and, and yeah, I, I, I think, but I, yeah, ultimately I do. I, I think as human beings, I think we're just, we're like moths to the flame when it comes to trying <laughs> to find something exciting to do with our lives. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, to live out this beautiful virtual experience, this perfect experience, who wouldn't take that? Well, especially when you figure like a, a lot of our lives now are like a nine to five grind. And if you could come <laughs> home and for five hours live a completely different life where you're a hero and you know, you're, you're all ripped and, and awesome looking and you hang mm -hmm. out with beautiful girls and everything else. I mean, yeah, I can see a lot of people doing that. <laughs> and thus we get ready player one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, true enough. True enough. I mean, yeah. you know, and, but in a lot of ways, I think like ready player one definitely does do that and plays with that idea. But I also, when I read ready player one, I thought this is just a pure extension of what we're already doing. Mm, I mean, true. how mm. many of us are making money and, and our whole job is virtual. It's just the only difference is I'm not, I'm not present as a virtual presence in that storefront, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, sure. My fingerprints are all over it. Cause I typed the text and I did this and I bought the cart and I configured the cart, but the only difference is it's not like someone can walk up to a virtual storefront and talk to me about stuff. Mm, that's true. But, but really I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still exchanging emails. I'm still talking on Skypes. I'm still, you know what I mean? Like so many people are really making their livelihood from their house plugged into a computer. So, 
I mean, to me, Ready yeah. Player One was just almost that natural extension of, okay, well, people are already doing courses online. Mm-hmm. Well, what's mm-hmm. the next logical step? Okay, well, now I can actually sit there with a headset and watch stuff and talk to people instead of just looking at my screen, which is kind of boring. True. Very uh, true. No. But, uh, you know, but yeah, I, uh, you're right. Like, I think that what's funny that, you know, when you mentioned Ready Player One, I think what's funny about that is, is that when you take a look at most light novels, I won't say, mm-hmm. I definitely won't say all, but when you take a look at a lot of light novels that have these sort of virtual reality type environment environments as part of their central point, mm-hmm. um, they are not dystopians. Like mm-hmm. the world outside of it's just fine. In fact, yeah. the world outside of it is cleaner, more streamlined. Everybody gets along and, you know, the crime is at an all time low. And it's mm. like, it's, it's actually very funny that, you know, I think it still is trying to take a look at, there's still, I think this message of the real world and society is just fine. We just do this other stuff to have some fun. Well, sort of, because remember in most light novels, or at least most of the scenarios I've seen and such, usually the players are neats, uh, not involved in education, <laughs> what is it, education, employment, or no, technology, or tra- uh, teaching, is it? Uh, yeah, no no employment, education, or trade, I think is what it is. Yeah, yeah okay, there we go. <laughs> um, and so the whole point is, is that their people, society is fine, but not for them. A lot of them yeah. do see society as a dystopian environment or at least not a not a happy place basically is a better way to put it and so them escaping into a fantasy world is and it truly is an escape like it's them going to a place where their particular neatness is um accepted and beloved and actually an advantage as opposed to a disadvantage where like it is in the real world right i yeah i mean to an extent I'd, i'd say you definitely do see some of that but um but actually, I think what you see even more so with when you're talking about characters like that are neats, mm. um, I see those characters a lot more often in another very, very huge popular uh, genre right now, which is called isekai, right, which is yeah. characters taken from our world and swept away to another world. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, like if we take a look at uh, virtual reality based game type light novels, I mean, uh, Kirito in Sword Art Online is like an average kid who's achieving really well in school and mm-hmm. has a loving family and everything else. Like, you know, he, he's really not a neat in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, same thing like with, well, I mean, Excel World's a little bit different, but I mean, the characters still live their lives in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and most, and they know each other by going to school. Um, you know, that the school is still a huge part of their lives. Right. Um, but, but I get the impression that with the whole neat thing, I get mm. the impression that part of the reason that that's a popular character model for the whole isekai is that nobody's going to miss them. <laughs> like, like, I know that sounds terrible, right? It really does. But you know, like, but you've got to think like, if you had a kid that was like top of their class and everybody loved them and everything else. And one day they disappeared, mm. people would be in an uproar. <laughs> You know, society would be like, we've lost one of our brightest stars. <laughs> but if you're a kid that, like, your parents don't even know you leave your bedroom yeah. and suddenly you're gone, your parents might not even realize it for, like, a week. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially the way some of those needs are. They literally don't leave their room for, like, years in some yeah. cases. Oh, it's more like, ones. 
yeah it is it's a pretty crazy kind of thing like and i mean well i guess it's kind of wrong to say crazy because mental health apparently is a a lot of people believe that there's quite a component of mental illness to it yeah um yeah. but but yeah it, it's true i i think that the i think the whole idea is I mean, you can also read into it almost like a, a bit of a political agenda too, right? Because you're taking this character who in Japan, Japanese society is technically a misnomer. This, you right. know, they're not contributing, they're, they're antisocial, they're, they're, a, they're a bump in the log on Japanese society. And yet now mm. we're shoving them into a world where they have to take up the sword and they have to fight mm -hmm. for their survival and they have to be outside fighting monsters and they have to get to know other people so they can learn about the world and survive. And it's almost like this political message of, you know, you're useless to Japan, but Hey, maybe you should get outside and do something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. Like, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I think that's what the authors are necessarily trying to say, but it's funny how you can read that subtext into it. <laughs> you you yeah. could, but I think you've actually got it backwards. This, sorry, this is my take on it, which is, okay. from what I've observed, most of the authors on uh, Shotsetsuka Ninaro, of course, become yeah. a novelist that you mentioned, where a lot of these books are coming from, they are neats. Yes. So what you're looking at is, you're, you're looking at what the fantasies of the neats themselves are. So yeah. I think you're right. I think that, yeah, you definitely have a good point that there is, again, it's that wish fulfillment or, mm -hmm. um, or, or, you know, that, or even that the, you could even say that it's the message of, um, you know, in Japan, I, I can't do anything, but if my life were different, if I was exactly. somewhere different, mm. look at me, I could be a hero or I could make a difference to the world. Right. Um, you're right. Like that's definitely, um, you know, that is definitely a potential message there. Um, and, and you're right. I think it depends very much on the author and, and who they are. Mm. Um, it is funny, though. You're, you're right. Like, I mean, when you talk about a lot of these authors of light novels, it's, it is funny how um, even if they aren't what you would call a neat per se, mm. um, they are still very private individuals. Like, uh, if, it's funny. If you look on YouTube, uh, there's been some uh, interviews done with light novelists, and they have gone to lengths to hide their identity. Right. Mm. Um, and I think part of it is that whole not wanting to be approached in society and everything. But there's also a bit of a stigma, I think, about being a light novel author. Mm. Um, you know, in Japan, like the uh, there's a light novel series called uh, The Rio's Work is Never Done. Right. And, okay. and it is a series about a 16 year old shogi master. Right. And then he mm. takes on this nine-year-old girl as his apprentice. Mm -hmm. And it gets into some very dicey material, but we'll leave that apart. Um, in any mm. case, it has the past two years placed number one in Kono Light Novel Gasugoi for the Bunko format. And in talking to, like, in the author's interview, he's basically like, yeah, my family's ashamed of me. Mm. Like, I write, huh. like, to them, I'm writing trash. Yeah. You know, and and part of his goal is to try and, you know, still write books that can serve some kind of purpose, whether it be to entertain, whether it be to introduce people to shogi, whatever the case may be. Right. But yeah. but that's him acknowledging that, you know what, I am a by many people's estimation, I'm a success. 
Right. Like I'm selling mm-hmm. a ton of novels. There, there's an anime series that's just premiered based on it. Um, I think there, I think there's a manga, but I'm not sure. But, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, nonetheless, like this is a guy selling thousands and thousands and thousands of books a year. And even if he's only making a buck fifty off of each of them, he's still making himself a lot more money than I make. Mm. <laughs> and yet he's and yet he has this sense of shame and his family has this sense of shame because he's writing light novels. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well he's not writing real fiction, he's writing, you know, light novels, which are right. trash. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And 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 because I think a lot of the even if you win awards, the awards are light novel awards. Yeah. So mm. it's it's not like you're winning a literary award and beating out you know, the Jane Austens of today or whatever, you're, <laughs> you're just beating out other trash novelists, I think is what a lot of people look at. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's for, for better, for worse. Um, like novels have got a bad reputation and I think that applies across cultures. I'll give you an example. Yep. So the Chinese also have their own light novel, web novel genre, but they refer to that stuff as YY fiction and they write YY in English if, online. Yeah. That's Chinese slang for masturbation. They oh, act, they they, act, they actually basically they call it masper, masturbatory fiction in Chinese. Yeah. That's that's what it's literally referred to as. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, I'm not too familiar with the Chinese side, but I'm thinking maybe I don't want to be if you put it that. Way. <laughs> well, no. I mean, most of it is actually. Because I've been involved with uh, reading, I've read a fair amount of the Chinese stuff as well. No, most okay. of it's just—it's just most of it's just like actually. If anything, if, if I'm going to be really blunt here for a sec, no, the Chinese stuff is actually super chaste for the most part. Like I mean, it's yeah. got a ton of harems, mm. but the main character is usually all about the power, and he's all about uh, getting stronger and kicking ass and everything. They're usually right. very action oriented. It's the Japanese mm. stuff that is literally masturbatory fiction. Yeah. I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> Oh no! I, hey, I'm not. I'm. I'm not disagreeing. There's quite a lot of that kind of material. Um, you know, we. Uh, yeah, I. And I'm not. You know, I, I. I. I get a bit of a rep on my channel about not being a huge fan of the, the naughty bits, the eshy parts of light novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've said before, like it's not that I'm really entirely against it. It's just that a lot of the times in the light novels we've gotten, it seems like it's only thrown in there for the point of trying to entice as opposed to telling a story. You you guys talking about like, say the, the, the Chinese style, the, the Japanese style, a weird thing that I've noticed. Cause I, I've, I've uh, read a lot of the, 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 the Japanese stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it, the hero isn't necessarily like, it's like you say, the real world is cool. The hero may be a bit of a schmo, but they're generally like a likable type guy. Yeah. Uh, they go to this fantasy world. It's like a bright Tolkien-esque good and evil fantasy world. But I've, I've read like, uh, some of like, say the, uh, the Russian like lit RPG stuff, which right. follows a lot of the same themes. And holy cow, it goes, it's interesting the contrast because the Russian stuff tends to be the real world is like a militaristic dystopia. And the hero is like dying of some horrible disease, and that's why they log into the game. And the fantasy world that they log into is just some kind of like horrible nightmarish grind where they're barely getting by. Um, the the one the one that I was reading that I actually really liked. Yeah. Um, 
the hero's big accomplishment was he figured out how to make cigarettes in this world. Wow. And be, and, and everybody wanted cigarettes and where this, where the, the one chapter ends is essentially the mob of this fantasy world, like the organized crime is yeah. trying to like torture and kill him to figure out how to make cigarettes. Cause everybody in this place wants to smoke. <laughs> oh, jeez! Wow. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and, yeah, it, and it's so weird to see that contrast that, yeah, the Japanese stuff is very bright. And then you go just a couple, couple kilometers to the West and you've got this whole other take on the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, I mean, literature obviously is, is almost impossible to divorce from where it's born, right? You're, yeah. you're always going to have, um, cultural influences, I think, in these books. And, uh, I think because, uh, if even if you watch lots of anime, I mean, even anime worlds that are quote unquote dystopian are still, I mean, the colors are bright and the, mm-hmm. the characters are often these stoic, likable characters and that are going to overcome the odds and deliver the world to a better place. And it seems that, and I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't claim to know enough about Japanese culture or history to be able to say why that is, but it certainly does seem to speak to that whole idea of society is still a good thing, mm-hmm. but you can still enjoy other things. Right. right. Um, and I, and I mean, it, it is stuff that you, if you read about um, even how like mental illness is treated in Japan, how, uh, you you have these uh, things about like people that will willingly just disappear to save their family from being dishonored because of a loss of a job or mental health yeah. or whatever. Um, there's still, I think, this this very strong sense of society and more and and honor in Japan, and I mm-hmm. think that's maybe why you see you don't see as many situations in those light novels where the character is even if they're a neat they're still like a half decent person you know like you don't see a lot of truly despicable main characters in light novels Mm. um i mean i'm not i'm not gonna say you don't (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but but. there are there are some i mean oh yeah some characters well actually question there are some light novel characters like the shield hero for example starts off as uh, pretty much of a jerk at the beginning. He is not a nice person. Well, but I, I, and again, like, but if you read the rising of the shield hero, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have a character who is a college student. He's not a neat and well, he's a college student. He is contributing to society, society. When mm-hmm. he first gets taken into that world, he is very amicable. He's like, okay, this is what is going on. How do we work together? What can we do? And he, actually is put into a horrible position because he's trusting. Mm, true. And mm. and he trusts this character and he ends up getting very much screwed over and That's an understatement. You know, <laughs> well yeah, very much an understatement. And and so yeah, like it I think like yes, you're right. As a as a light novel character, he he does certainly spend a good three quarters of that book as a very, very different light novel character than what we see in a mm-hmm. lot of other books because yes, he is angry at the world and he doesn't give mm-hmm. a crap what he has to do. He's mm-hmm. going to survive. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, whether it be using the little monsters that are basically just balls with teeth, using those to threaten people <laughs> to get what he wants or buying a slave in order to help him with things. I mean, yes, his morals at that point are kind of like, I think you see a character in this case where it's sort of like he's put into a situation where he's like, you know what? Morals and everything be damned. I just want to survive. True. And, mm. and if I have to break laws and I have to, you know, do things that I normally as a Japanese person wouldn't approve of, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do them because that's all I can do in this world because this world is ugly and unfair. Yeah. Hmm. You know, um, I and so like, yes, but I, I mean, you're absolutely right. He does definitely become a character who and that was part of the reason I initially really liked that book. Mm, was because was I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm like, well, here's a character who finally like is just, you know, he's not Mr. Goody Two Shoes and he's actually got a bit of a character to him. Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of people and I mean, it's not a completely baseless complaint is that a lot of main male characters in light novels are somewhat bland. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's, there's not a lot to them or their character is just very reminiscent of a lot of other characters. Yeah. And, and to read, mm. you know, the character of Naofumi and shield hero where he is, yeah, he starts off as that guy, but pretty much on a dime when he's put into that situation is like, okay, well, you're going to mess with me now. I'm going to mess with you. Mm. <laughs> mm. And, and yeah, I mean, and, yeah, I respected the character for that. Actually, funny enough, I did but, too. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think characters where you're starting to see. I mean, there's a series called Overlord, which uh, is I love Overlord. My, oh, it's it is my it's my well. I said I I did a countdown of my top books in 2017. It was my number one, and um, mm. Overlord is just such a good series. And um, and I mean, there's a main character who is. I mean, he's not evil, but yet he walks in the shade of gray for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, like even his choice in, even when it's just a game, he still chose to play as a monstrous character, you know, like he yeah. still chose to play the game as a villain. And mm-hmm. I think that says a lot about his personality. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. You better explain Overlord to our listeners because they oh, won't yes, know what okay. we're talking about. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Give them the pitch. So, all right. So here's the pitch. So, the setup sounds kind of generic. So we have a main character. He plays part of a virtual reality MMORPG called uh, Yggdrasil. Hmm. And it's been in place for a good number of years. He plays as a uh, skeletal sorcerer. So a lich is what we would hmm. do. So, um, and his whole clan are other characters who play as monsters. And their game style has basically been they have created this incredibly intricate uh, tomb called the Tomb of Nazarick. And they have populated it with NPCs that are also monstrous and everything else. And anyway, so as these years have gone by, now the game, of course, is not as popular. So they decide they're going to shut the servers down. And so on the very last night, this character decides that he is going to stay logged on to see the end of the world. And so when the servers are shut down, he'll be forced to be logged out and that'll be the end. Instead, what ends up happening is he finds out that he has now truly become a lich. All of the NPCs in the Tomb of Nazareth have become living beings with the personalities and powers that they were programmed in. And he and the NPCs and the Tomb of Nazareth itself have been transported to a world that is very similar to Yggdrasil, but is yet quite different. 
And so the hmm. the bulk of the story then is this character who takes on the name of Eins Olgaon. He decides to basically find out how he can survive in this world. And at the same time, because these NPCs acknowledge him as their leader, he's constantly plagued by this doubt in himself about how do I how do I act in order to keep commanding their respect and loyalty? Because if they betray me, I'm up the creek. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And he's, he's walking a tightrope basically with oh, his yeah. NPCs. And the NPCs, because they've been programmed to be monsters, he he cannot be a good guy. And there's also this, there's also sort of this bit of a, it's not necessarily a subplot per se, but one of the things I found very interesting in it is, is that it's one of the first light novels I read where because he has become an undead lich, he actually talks about how he notices changes in his personality and his emotional behavior because he is now undead. Hmm. So he doesn't have the range of emotions because he's dead, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. um, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. And I mean, I've read up to the fifth volume now and it's, it's basically about him trying to get Nazarick sort of get its fingers into the kingdom and everything else so that they can gain enough power that they can effectively protect themselves against any threats. Hmm. And there's a lot of world building to it. There's a lot of uh, it's it is really good. Like it's I, I think one of the things that I like about it is because it's not always centered on just the main character. Um, right. It also uses the characters in Nazarick as main point of view characters. And Eins becomes almost like this boogeyman kind of existing in the background where mm. his presence is always felt and there's always the characters are always thinking about what he would want and how he would want them to behave, but yet he's not there. Hmm. So yeah. it's, yeah. Oh, it's such a good series. Such a yeah. Good series. It's an, it's a nice way to take the focus off the main character and, but he's still, yeah, a presence because they're all extensions of him in some way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And if, uh, if listeners want to check it out, there is an anime version that you can find. It's almost everywhere. And in fact, the anime just started its second season last weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. The first season covered uh, volumes one, two, three, mm -hmm. and then the second season's picking up at volume four. Uh, my guess and guess of most people is that it'll cover volumes four, five, and six, because mm -hmm. four four is sort of a standalone volume, and then five and six are a two part story. Right. So mm -hmm. then that'll all fit together. Yeah, that would probably go with just. At the beginning of the first of the second season, they kind of introduce all these characters, and you're going, "Yep, okay, there's from that volume. Those are the characters from that volume. Those are the, okay, so that's what. So you can kind of tell what they're going to do." Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. So, well, and yeah, I mean, I I have do I have not watched the anime version of Overlord. Um, I I actually I made it a policy not to watch any anime based on light novels. Um, Interesting. Well. Why? Because you know what? I find I'm one of these people. Now, everybody's different, but mm -hmm. I find that once I have seen the visual, mm -hmm. I have a hard time getting into the book. Mm. Okay. And, and I also find that because so much of my channel is dependent on, like, I'm not a professional reviewer. I don't, I don't get into the reviews like, and then they use these words and they should have used these words. And, you know, I'm not quite a technical reviewer. I'm more of an emotional reviewer. 
-hmm. How did this book make me feel? What did I, you know, did it make me feel invested in the characters and in the story? Um, So I'm much more of an emotional and a reactionary reviewer. And if I already know the story going into it because I've seen the anime, I find that I don't think I have as sincere a response. So, and also I just find it hard to get into the book because I'm like, yep, I know what happens next. Yep, I know what happens next. I, right. I I think like for me reading for me reading half the appeal of reading is not to know what happens next, right. and also and also to create the imagery in my own mind, and then the fun of yeah. watching the anime afterwards is kind of seeing how the images of the anime line up with what I was thinking in my <laughs> head, but if I watch the anime, I never imagine anything because I know what it looks like. I all I ever imagine is the anime when I'm reading the book. So I just, I just find for me, like I, I read the, I always read the book first. And so even series that we don't have in English yet, I'm like, Hmm, if there's an anime, it might get licensed. So I won't Mm. watch it this season (laughs) and I'll wait at least a year and a half, two years. And if I haven't heard anything, then it's probably safe to watch it. Right. Hmm. Uh, that That's pretty reasonable, though, because, I mean, yeah, often they're gauging even how well it does on Crunchyroll, for example. And then they're like, yeah. well, maybe it's a good idea to bring it out. Well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, a vast majority of the, the series that we have are that have been licensed in the past, you know, three years. The vast majority of them have uh, anime that they're based on. Uh, as I, hmm. you know, sitting here, really, I think there's maybe five series that haven't had an anime based on them right you know like they're yeah Mm -hmm. and even then even if they don't have an anime based on them it's usually there's another reason why the companies have brought them out like uh for instance uh reki kawahara of course very famous excel world sword art online he has a series called the isolator Mm -hmm. it doesn't have an anime but it's reki kawahara the guy who wrote sword art online right so pretty much a no-brainer that Yenon licensed it um there's a a new book called monster girl doctor which Mm -hmm. wasn't a great book but anyway we'll go (laughs) people can watch your review of that i I saw your review yeah yeah you can watch my review of that you'll see what i thought of that one but um but i think that again like (laughs) even though that doesn't have a an anime it's a response to the popularity of all the recent anime that have been like monster girl based anime yeah yeah they're still so, writing the trends. Exactly, yeah. And and that's what you yeah. see a lot of, is that it's either either the book is writing the trends, writing the popularity of the author, or it has an anime. There's there's abs- Sometimes there's little abnormalities, and you're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I have no idea why they licensed that. But, uh, <laughs> but I'd say a good 95% of it, you can pretty much narrow down to those two things. It's either an anime or a known author. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes, well, makes total sense. Oh, yeah. And I mean, these, and do you think like, I mean, Yen On is, you know, they're, they're a physical book publisher. J Novel Club does ebooks. Um, right. So they, they turn out titles a lot faster than, say, the, the physical publishers. So if we go with, say, Yen On, the fastest they'll release a novel series is three a year. So you're getting one mm-hmm. book every four months. When you've got a series that's 20 novels long in Japan, that's going to take you seven years <laughs> to to finish wow. that series, right? And so I think with when you're a seri- when you're a company like Yen On, you need to think to yourself like, will does this thing have an audience that's going to be dedicated to it 
for that over long. the next you know seven years to finish it <laughs> hmm. yeah and that's true and i mean on the one hand yeah if you can hook somebody into the series it's great because you've now got a, a customer for the next seven years Mm-hmm. But at the mm-hmm. other point, if you're looking at a series and saying, do we really want to put the money and time into this? It's a scary prospect of thinking to yourself, like, if we stay dedicated to releasing this series, we could be looking at a bomb for the next seven years. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, or have and a I'd... title that people are going to be pissed at us for stopping halfway through because there just wasn't an audience for, but people yeah. will still get angry. Right. And and I And I think that... Well, and, and I think honestly that at this point, that idea of, oh, we can always cancel the series. I don't think that, I don't think that notion even really exists for a lot of these companies anymore. Because um, if you take a look, uh, no, I mean, there, this is a, a lot of this is conjecture, but um, there was a really big, huge company, Tokyo Pop. I'm sure you're probably oh, both familiar yep, with yeah, them. I remember with it. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, one of the first companies that actually brought out complete volumes of manga back in the day viz used to issue chapters of manga as normal comic book sized comics mm-hmm. yeah. tokyo pop was one of the first ones to bring out the complete volume and you read it you know backwards compared to normal north american books and everything else they they pioneered a lot of the stuff that we just take for granted now um mm-hmm. but uh well i mean you can chalk it up there's all sorts of stories as to why but basically tokyo pop went pop (laughs) and but before that happened they had started to license light novels and one of the companies that they licensed light novels from was this company called fujimi shobo and currently so and then when tokyo pop went belly up those Mm -hmm. series a lot of them they were only three volumes in five volumes in of series that were 10 15 volumes long and Ever since then, nobody's licensing Fujimi Shobo books. Mm. And so we, oh. so the fan community, a lot of people have theorized that it's because Fujimi has kind of said, you know what? We played that game and uh, we're not interested. Huh. Now, again, that's a lot of conjecture, but, um, but I, you get the impression from companies and when you see companies kind of coming forward. I think that for a lot of these companies, I mean... Yen On is a component, a subcomponent of Yen Press. Mm-hmm. Yen Press releases a ton of manga. They're mm-hmm. also majority owned by um, Karokoa, which is a Japanese publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the whole idea with them is, is that, and with these companies is, is that you can't approach these companies and say, we'd like to license your series, but we might cancel it if it's not popular. Mm. <laughs> Like, I think the idea is, is that if you want to have a working relationship with these companies, you pretty much have to commit to the long haul or you Mm. don't commit at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I do see where, you know, as much as a lot of, uh, as much as a lot of people say, oh, I wish we could get these series that are sort of a little bit more niche or a little bit more unique. I kind of understand where from a company's point of view that that's a pretty tall order. If you're saying to yourself, like, yeah, we're going to commit to publishing 20 novels that a hundred people might read. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. Well, yeah. And because these Japanese publishers are so prolific, I mean, you've got maybe, you've got maybe five publishers, big publishers in Japan and they control not just light novels, but so much manga as Mm -hmm. well. Plus a lot of other media that 
if you're a company that depends on selling manga and depends on, you know, selling, even just depending on selling manga and you do light novels sort of on the side a bit, mm. you don't want to make them angry by screwing over their light novel series and then losing the manga titles. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. You you don't want to have that situation where you're going to walk into an, uh, an office and say, we want to license this title because we know it's going to make us a million dollars. And they say, no, because you mm -hmm. dropped that other title and made us lose face in the market. So no, we don't trust you anymore. So you're not, I don't think you're going to see like companies. I think they really do have to plan long-term and they really do mm -hmm. have to think, you know, what are the series people are going to keep coming back for? And that's a huge part of that. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 I'm kind of um, wondering, cause I know here we've got kind of the equivalent with people who do eBooks but the North American ones, you can pretty much be a like a one man show. In in Japan, for the light novels, how dependent are the authors on the big publishers, and can any of them kind of make it on their own there? Well, you don't see a lot of that um, hmm. now. Funny enough, uh, there is. I mentioned them earlier. Cross Infinite Worlds. Uh, hmm. One of the things that they are doing, which is very different is they are going directly to the web novel authors themselves mm -hmm. and making deals directly with the authors. And then it is Cross Infinite Worlds that is hiring illustrators to do original artwork for this Japanese author's light novel that they have licensed. Mm -hmm. So, and, but it doesn't seem to me, now again, like this is just, this is just all sort of, anecdotal on my part taking a look at things but um i don't really think that in terms of self-publishing like you do have a lot of authors that have huge followings because they're you know putting their light novels up on online mm -hmm. and as web novels you seem to have them developing these huge followings but in terms of an actual financial success in terms of making a living at it there still seems to be quite that dependence on big publishers. You know, mm. you still hear like when you're reading, when you're reading through light novels and a, pretty much every light novel always has an afterward by the, by the author. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are filled with, you know, all oh, the book you're, you know, if it's a new volume one, oh, you know, I won the Dengeki light novel prize uh, with this book or, Oh, you know, I'm so glad that the publisher decided to pick this up based on the light, no the web novels. Um, thank you for your support there. I, I think that a lot of them still post on, you know, let's be a novelist and stuff. I think that there's still that idea that I publish there to get noticed by people. So I will get mm -hmm. published by a publisher. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and I have not seen, um, I have not seen any anime that have not been based on a light novel that's being done by a publisher. Like you're not okay. seeing, you're not seeing deals. Like, I mean, you, you hear, I mean, now you're hearing about some self publishers that are having such success that they're getting movie deals based on their independently published book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't seem to see that in Japan, at least certainly not in the anime bracket. And I think right. it's because so many of these anime are being co-funded by the publishers. Yeah. Yeah. So for the publisher, why would I, even if I think the anime is going to be a success, and in a lot of cases, the anime lose money. 
So in a lot of cases, the anime loses money, but because of the bump it gives the books, the publisher still makes money, which makes it financially worth doing. So to a publisher, why would I take a financial risk on an anime that I'm not going to reap financial benefit from? Yeah. So I still think that Hmm. in Japan, because I think you see a lot of light novel authors, um, their goal is to be published. Their goal is to see that anime because they are fans. I mean, there's no denying that light novel authors predominantly are the exact fan base that they're writing their books for. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that idea of I want to see my book in a bookstore. I want to, you know, turn on TV and see the anime based on my book or see the manga that's been spun off of my book. Um, those things that that cross media proliferation doesn't happen if you are an independent author. Yeah. Right. Right. Not in Be- Japan. Not no. so far anyway. Well, no. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think it's because the the publishing companies own such a huge piece of that yeah yeah, yeah. they do <clears throat> you know and and uh, let's face it i mean really like an anime the the actual anime showing on tv and then selling dvds for a lot of them are losing money where they make mm-hmm. the money is on merchandise and yeah. on you know other media like whether it be online games uh phone games whether it be the light novels or the manga well, mm-hmm. who's got the money to promote to get that stuff made, right? Like, you know, an independent author doesn't have enough money to convince some figurine company to make figurines based on their light novel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I think there's still like yeah, I think I think that whole financial aspect there's a and because of who controls those decisions, I think it's still a huge barrier that prevents independent authors as light novel authors to not seek out a publisher now does that mean there aren't any i'm sure there are i'm sure there are like a light novel authors that have chosen to quietly self-publish um in fact there's a light novel uh website uh that sells in japan called bookwalker and they now have an english site actually as well Mm. um and they basically deal all digitally and i know Mm. that the japanese side does have a self-publishing component right so it does exist like they're they're definitely you know that infrastructure for japanese authors to self-publish it absolutely exists and like i said it exists even in a a sphere of uh, a retailer that deals in only manga and light novels right but Mm -hmm. does that mean but i don't think that you see quite the same wild success that you do say with you know well okay Let's face it, for every one wild success in North America, there's 5,000 that aren't. Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> you know. but, but if I can interrupt, but Kindle oh, yeah. Direct, or yeah, Kindle Unlimited, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, that, uh, the way you can independently publish your books through Amazon, basically, yes. here in North America, yeah. does actually exist now in Japan. They do have their Japanese branch. Hmm. Yeah. I think Japanese can self-publish using it. And they've even started KDP Print recently. Yes. Which, um, so in theory, they can even start producing print books if they want to. Or yep. it's print on demand, but still, they could have print yeah. books done of their projects. I don't think that's expanded to Japan yet. The print, the print thing still, there's something they're rolling out, but they could definitely reach an ebook audience if they want to in Japan. Oh, yeah. Well, I do yeah. know that, well, and I mean, I guess, again, like it may be a bit of a backdoor, but, um, 
I do know that for KDP, for the Kindle publishing, um, if you do your, if you go through the North American market, mm-hmm. your your print on demand and your ebook are available on the Japanese Amazon Amazon site. Yes, they are. Yeah. So, so I mean, even if they can't, they may be able to backdoor that way. I don't know. Like I don't. But clearly, Japan. Clearly I mean, to, yeah. but yeah, but clearly, I mean, like you said, Amazon has opened that Japanese website, that arm of their website to self-publishers in North America. So I can't see why they wouldn't have that all of it, you know, pretty much the whole resources available to Japanese authors as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So eventually we're, we are going to see that shift even in Japan. But remember, the Japanese are very conservative traditionalists. That's just mm-hmm. their culture. Yeah. And it's going to take forever for them to slowly go. Plus, Japan does actually still have bookstores. I mean, I was just there last year. And no, you can wander around Tokyo and there's still lots of bookstores around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, well, I mean, it's funny. Like, you even see that, um, I mean, there are tons of anime that have characters wandering into bookstores and everything else. And, you know, even light novels like the uh, Bake Monogatari series, uh, there's several scenes with characters meeting up in bookstores and stuff. Like, bookstores still seem to be quite in vogue, like in style, even, you know, even in light novels that are aimed at, say, a younger audience, there is still, yeah, like, I mean, Rob, like you were saying, you know, the whole thing where magazines are still popular in Japan, Um, you know, physical format, uh, manga, of course, still very popular in Japan. So I think that you do. Yeah. Like print seems to have survived in Japan a lot more, uh, than, you know, we have seen a lot of that kind of stuff happen here in North America. Plus I just don't get the sense. And I mean, again, I, I'm no expert on it, but Mm. I don't get the sense that Japan seems to have had quite the same big box destruction of smaller stores that we have seen in mm. north america i no, mean again haven't. that's yeah okay so i, that I can was, tell like you I they said, haven't no. okay yeah that was my sense but uh, i you know i haven't been to japan myself so i'm just basing that on what i see in you know well media from japan yeah. and, you, and you would be right it's i'll tell you very simply why real estate is so freaking expensive you can't mm. open big box stores Mm. Okay. Yeah. They, I can they, see that. They they have some. Uh, I think they, they do have. They have a, one. Uh, they have a few. Uh, well, there's yep. Kinokuniya, which is their okay. which every major area of Japan has. Kinokuniya is basically like their original uh, mega bookstore chain, basically, and it's been right. around since like the 80s or 90s, maybe even older. And mm. um, they actually they're they're big bookstores by you know general bookstore standards, but they're still not like chapters or indigo like the mega big box bookstores that we're used to but they're right mm-hmm. they're, they're a good size and they've got them around and there are a few of um there'll be a few manga oriented ones like there's a few uh what are they called there's a chain of manga anime ones that actually are kind of their almost big bookstore just for but only for manga and anime and merchandise right. the stuff yeah. that goes <clears throat> with but it's still really it's still it's just too expensive. So they just, so yeah. really it's all still mostly mom and pop operations. That's just the way Japan is. And they're not quickly shifting over to the North American big box stuff, which is probably good for them actually, because big box stuff is not good for our society. At least I don't think so. Well, I think it's certainly, it certainly negatively impacts that um, mm-hmm. personal touch. Yeah. You know, like you think about, you think about people that are are big readers that 
if you go to a local bookstore, people will get to know you. Whereas mm -hmm. you go to chapters. I mean, I worked, I actually worked for chapters for a couple of years and I couldn't have told you any of the people that came in there regularly because I probably never saw them. Right. Huh. <laughs> you know, like I, I, yeah. <laughs> I believe you. And there's actually a big Renaissance. I was just reading about how in the last year or so independent bookstores have seen a 30% rise in sales. Hmm. I, well, in, in the, the ones that are left after your know, chapter slash quarters yeah, or whoever yeah. killed them, but still. Well, I think it's because the, uh, well, I, again, I, I, I think it's because as a society, we're starting to, we, we're shifting away from a convenience society to a society that I want to be acknowledged as an individual and a human being. Mm. And mm. it's not enough that I go to the faceless big box store where no one knows me and everything is the same as the big box store down the road. Instead, I want to go somewhere that has character that I feel mm. like I discovered it. And, yep. you know, like, I think there's mm. a, I think there's a lot of value starting to be placed on that in yeah. North American society. Yeah. Well, especially I, as we interact more and more with machines, we're starting ironically to value human <laughs> contact more and more as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that too, when I think when it comes to entertainment, we live at a time of like, there's a lot of diversity to entertainment. And the big box stores don't really, they don't necessarily accept that. Uh, case in point, Windsor still has a really, really, really good music store. And I think that's great because Walmart does not stock the Meteors. <laughs> that's true. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're, you're really only going to see your top 40 at a Walmart. Yeah. And even then, like usually, like Walmart's a good example because... If the music is controversial at all, they tend not to carry it. No, oh, yeah. Well, because you don't want, because again, it's that whole brand, of, you know, we're afraid it's going to infringe upon our brand and cause, yeah. you know, mom and pop not to want to buy their diapers here anymore because they were mm. offended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we should actually probably bring this back on track then. So, so, so Justice, um, so if people want to get into light novels, okay, yeah. so what are like the top five, say, I, I'm just picking a random number here. You don't have to stick with it. Um, like light novels that people should check out. Like if you, as someone who's read a great many of them, out of the ones that are available, what are the ones that people should actually go out and be willing to plunk down their 16 bucks for? Right. Give it a try. Okay. So... You know what? I get asked this a lot and I I, my answer is usually, well, it's depends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I think this is where like when we were talking earlier about what light novels are mm -hmm. to understand that it's not a category that, right. um, you know, that there are some stylistic elements to it, but it can contain a ton of different genres. Mm -hmm. So if you love fantasy, then I've got a series to recommend. And I would recommend to you, I would say, I would read, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Okay. It's, it's a good, it's a really good series. It's got solid writing. It's got solid characters. Mm -hmm. uh, the characters are not bland by any means. Um, there's really nothing, I wouldn't say there's anything overly offensive in it. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's not a highly sexualized series or anything like that, but it definitely does get into some more mature and and darker sort of realities that are going on like it doesn't try to sort of you know put a happy rose colored glasses spin on 
the world that it takes place in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's not at at the same time, though, it's not so dark and gritty that it's going to depress the hell out of you. (laughs) Right. right. So, Mm. so if you like fantasy, I'd say, you know, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? It's a really, really good, great series. It's, it is one of my favorites and uh, you know, it, it is a good sort of middle road kind of series. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously sword art online is one that, you know, I think pretty much any of us that read and review and talk about light novels, we always include it on a list uh, just because it has so many components that are indicative of a lot of the light novels we see coming out Mm. in English. Um, You know, that whole, it, it is debatable whether it's an isekai because I mean, technically they're still alive in the real world, but because so much of the action takes place in a different world and because in the initial story they're trapped there, it's kind of a middle ground. So right. it has those elements of, I'm a modern person from Japan, but I am now stuck in a different world doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has the harem aspects to it. It has the wish fulfillment main character who is, you know, overpowered and, you know, is a bit vanilla in his <laughs> construction but Mm. he's but again like it but it's again it's not a series that i mean initially it's not a series that has a lot of stuff uh that's really all that racy um Mm. i mean it does uh like volume number 11 had a attempt rape in it so i mean it does get to be a bit darker as it goes along but I mean, definitely the first couple of volumes, it's a really good sort of introduction to some of the stuff you're going to see. Well, um, hold on a sec. Would you recommend reading uh, Progressive or the original then? <laughs> well, that, or are you they know both what? available? They are both available, actually. Um, now, the, the sort of caveat to the whole thing is that um, Progressive, <laughs> now I read the only, I've only read the first volume of Progressive. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say that I liked it a lot and I kind of wish that that was only what Sword Art Online had ever been. Okay. Um, so I will say that Progressive, I think is the better of them, but Mm -hmm. the problem is, is that Progressive, I believe only has, is it four or five volumes available? Mm -hmm. He's got to cover 75 floors of a dungeon. And I think the most (laughs) recent volume, they're up to floor nine. Oh, Oh, wow. And he's putting these out and he's been putting these out at about one a year or one a year and a half. So like as much as I would love to say to people, Oh, just go with progressive. (laughs) The thing is, you're never going to get there. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. And, and I think too, and I think too, that so many people are coming into this from anime Mm-hmm. Um, the anime is most definitely based on the main just Sword Art Online series. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to read the books to get an idea of what the source material was like, like say if you've seen the first season or whatever, the anime, then you're going to want to go with the original Sword Art Online series. And uh, in fact, they're bringing out a brand new season uh, of Sword Art Online, and it's going to be based on the final arc of the main series. Well, okay, final arc at this point. Um, which is called the Alicization. And Mm. we are currently in that arc with the books. So the books, so the books for Sword Art Online currently exceed the anime and are already starting to tell the story that the next season of anime will tell. 
So right. that's mm. why I kind of tell people like, that's probably where you want to go. <laughs> mm. um, just because mm. again, it is probably the one that is most known. Now, mm. would I say it's the greatest example of a light novel or the best light novel that's out there? No. Mm. But, but if you're completely ignorant of light novels and you're looking for something that's kind of middle of the road, mm. it's not a bad place to start. Okay. Um, fair yeah, another one, uh, another series that I really like and is a lot of fun is called The Devil is a Part-Timer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it is, and uh, just to give you a little synopsis of the story on that one, that one is about uh, a alternate world that is set, there is a war going on between demons and humans. Mm-hmm. And the devil, Satan, they actually call him Satan, uh, mm. He comes to blows with a human warrior who is half angel. And she basically forces him to flee this world through a dimensional gate. And he ends up in earth. But mm. by coming to earth, he loses all of his demonic powers and becomes like this scrawny late teenage kid. And the only way that he and his lieutenants can survive is by getting a part-time jobs working at McDonald's. Mm. <laughs> well, it's called McRonald's in the book. So, so the whole, and and I mean, the whole series of course involves like, you know, people coming to hunt him from this other world still and all this other, you know, there's lots of magic. There's lots of Mm -hmm. sort of fighting and supernatural elements. But, but of course the funny part is, is that you've got these guys that were former demon generals that were super powerful Mm -hmm. and almost took over the world. And now they're, you know, frying up McDonald's burgers. Mm. So it's got, a, it's got some good comedy mo- moments. The characters are really good in it. Um, and again, it's one of those series that is a lot of fun to read that, you know, you can safely recommend to people because I mean, outside of like, I don't know, you may be offended because it's dealing with demons and angels, but they're so fictionalized. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can be all that offended. There's nothing really that horrible in the books that you know you have to worry about trigger warnings because you do with some light novels right like Mm -hmm. i mean there are there are light novels that have sexual assault there are light novels that have it's not it's not played off as a horrible sexual assault but it basically is you know like Mm -hmm. you know you often will have main characters who accidentally grope a woman's breasts or Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing happen and you see it in anime, you see it in light novels, um, and, and they can turn a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, but you know, that's The Devil is a Part Timer is a good series to tell people because it really doesn't have any of that. In fact, it's got some very strong female characters, um, mm-hmm. even though the, the male main character, the male characters, the, the devil, is sort of the arguably the main character. There are a lot of very strong female characters that pretty much put him in his place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of, uh, like if I was going to talk about Isekai, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Overlord is one that I very much recommend to people, but mm. again, it's something that I caveat with the fact that it should be an older audience. It does have right. quite a bit of graphic violence. Um, you know, the story is, does have a bit more sort of a maturity level to it. Uh, but I mean, if you're you know, if you're eight, seven, 16, 17, 18, deciding you want to get into this kind of stuff, it's a good place to start. Right. And, um, and as an upside for older readers, the covers are these beautiful painted pieces of artwork. So it doesn't look like you're reading a manga. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they are out in hardcover, which you can even take the cover off. And then it's just a black cover. So nobody can even tell what you're reading. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, but actually, but for isekais, the other zero series I would probably recommend is uh, ReZero. Mm-hmm. And uh, ReZero is a series about, again, it's a, basically a neat. So mm-hmm. we were talking about that. So it sort of introduces that whole idea of, you know, a character who's not really going to school, doesn't have a job, swept away to another world. And through circumstances he dies in the first volume and then all of a sudden opens his eyes and he's back at where he started and so the series basically plays with this mechanic of the main character's only quote-unquote power is that when he dies he goes back to a save point essentially Mm -hmm. but the catch is he doesn't know where that save point is he has no control Mm -hmm. over that and Mm -hmm. also it's not even he doesn't even understand why this is happening to him so he can't even count on the fact that oh if i die i'll just come back right right hmm. so it it's one of the few series like it's very well written like it's one of the few series that um even the writing style like the actual writing is very strong um i i find with a lot of light novels the writing can be a bit pedantic or a bit simplistic mm. um mm-hmm. some of them can can focus so much on dialogue that there's not a lot of exposition or a lot of descriptive text. Mm-hmm. Um, but ReZero strikes a really good balance in that way. Uh, the series alternates between different things. It, there's a bit of comedy, there's a bit of horror, there's a bit of mystery. It's just a, it's just a really well-constructed series. And I think one of the things I respect about it is, is that you can have, when you have so many characters that are so very bland and vanilla, um, and overpowered to have a mm-hmm. character who his only ability is to die. And, <laughs> and when he does, there are definite psychological effects. I mm-hmm. mean, let's face it, given the world he now lives in, it's not like he dies peacefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, he retains the memories of being, you know, torn apart or right. eviscerated or whatever the case may be. So, there's a lot of that. So they, they do sort of treat it with that sort of gravitas about the whole, like, this is mm. serious and this would weigh upon you. And, you know, working hard to develop relationships and then all of a sudden something happens and you wake up and they don't know you anymore. You're a stranger again. Mm. Even though right. you remember all of those nice moments that you shared. Right. You know, like, it it mm. really plays with a lot of those things. Um emotionally so i i recommend it because it's just it's a really really good series um and i think like those are all really good places to start mm-hmm. i mean there's there's lots of other series depending on what kind of thing you're looking for um right. you know like there's a series called uh my youth romantic comedy is wrong as i expected and it's a very much just slice of life high school kids mm-hmm. but but the main shtick of that one is, is that the main character or the, well, the main characters are all pretty much socially inept and awkward. Mm. And they're, they're very much isolationists and loners and their teacher kind of forces them into this club to help other people in the hopes of making them socialize and to make them less damaged in terms of their personalities. Mm. Hmm. And uh, and the main character, it's told first person, and the main character is a male character, um, is just really fun to read. Uh, he, he's a very, 
very sarcastic, um, throws out pop references to the point where the English editions actually have a glossary at the back that explains <laughs> every one of the pop references he throws out because he goes everywhere from classic Japanese literature to pop music to anime to manga, like all over the map. Video games, <laughs> like you name it, it's there. Um, and without the glossary, you'd miss half of it um so i mean it, it's a cool series it's it's really it you know it, it and it's very very different because it is just dealing with normal human beings there's no superpowers there's no magic there's hmm. no you know it is just kids in high school trying to get through high school and navigate weird social situations and navigate through personal relationships and stuff like that hmm so it's not that's a bad cool. series either yeah well exactly and like i said like that's i think that's the one thing about light novels that you you find you know you're trying to explain to people right like yes okay you're you're watching this light novel this show and it's told to you that it's a light novel and it's a dude and he ends up gripping like groping a girl like every other episode and he's a complete washout and yet for some reason all the girls love him and and people are like oh god light novels are stupid and yeah. and you try to explain to them, well, no, that light novel maybe is stupid, <laughs> right? But, but for you know, but there are lots of light novels that are very well written, and you know, depending on obviously what you're looking for, hmm. there there's really a light novel that can meet that, um, right? You know, there's a series called Konosuba, which is about a main character who. It's he dies in the real world, and this this goddess offers to allow him to be reborn into a new world. And she says, "You can mm. take anything you want with you, any one thing you want with you." And he says, "Well, I want you to come with me." And oh, hmm. but the mm -hmm. whole series, and so they get they go to this fantasy world, but the series is just they're all like screw ups, and <laughs> it's it's a comedy series really because all the characters mm. are just somehow messed up. Like there's one female knight who is a sadomasochist. There's the the magician who is incredibly powerful, but she only wants to know explosion spells, so mm. she doesn't know any other magic. And the goddess is basically a whiny, useless, like you know, egomaniac. Right. <laughs> and, and the main character, his skills are all so average that he really doesn't stand out in any way. Mm. So. <laughs> So you have these characters that are just, they don't, they're, they're so weird and flawed and everything else, but it's just so entertaining to read. But I mean, is it an amazing series in terms of how well it's written or the complexity of its stories? Well, no, but man, if you want entertainment. Hmm. Huh. And I it think sounds, that's... It, sorry to interrupt, but it's yeah. beginning to sound like, like listening from what I know myself of light novels and listening to you and such. It sounds like light novels, one of the things they actually often have in common is actually that they're very character driven. Like most of these things don't seem very plot driven at all. I would say that they're, yeah, they're, they're very character driven. Um, and I think that's because, you know, as we talked about the construction, right, that you've got these hmm. smaller arcs. And, and then potentially this sort of overarching story. And and the overarching story really can be as simple as survive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Usually like they really... have a very primal goal that they're just yep. trying to accomplish. And it's just as they're going towards that goal, they have all these encounters, interactions with other people and stuff. It's not yep. like there's usually one like great supervillain that they're on this march towards like conquering. Yeah. That not almost always. never seems to happen. In fact, light novels usually barely have villains. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, like you. It obviously it depends on the series, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. There are quite a number of series, or the villain is like this, or the villain is just this concept. Oh, it's the mm. demon lord. Yeah. Well, mm. okay, it's been forty volumes, and I've never seen the demon lord. So what the heck? <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like it's it's some it's it's almost like they just assigned the goal, even though the goal really is meaningless. The story is about the journey. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that, and you're right. Like, I, I think that it, it's, again, it's tying into that whole idea of, you know, whether it be marketing or whatever, um, you know, let's face it. A lot of us can say, you know, we can love a story. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt, but I think if you find most people, the reason they become truly invested in a book is because of the characters. True. Mm. You know, characters really are what drive a series. And and it's no, you know, and it's not a mistake that, say, like, Kono Light Novel Gasugoi, part of the polls that it has are mm-hmm. who's the most popular male character? Who's the mm. po- most popular female character? Who's the most popular mm. character overall? Like, so, I mean, yes, they are really driving characters. and And we can say that part of that could be just because as a construction of the author, I want people invested in the characters because it's the character's journey that the book is about. Mm. So if you don't care about the characters, you probably aren't going to give a damn about what they do. Right. That's very true. Right. Hmm. You know, because what do you care about what happens when they're walking from, you know, walking to Timbuktu? Why do you care about that? If you don't care about what happens with the character while they're walking there? Exactly. I completely agree. And I think, but uh, on a more, you know, cynical viewpoint, Mm. (laughs) I I think that also so much of the goods and products that are being created to support financially these companies that are publishing these works and doing the anime and everything, they are all character goods, right? So many Mm -hmm. of them are posters of the characters, figures of the characters, hug pillows of the characters, mouse pads Mm -hmm. of the characters. Like, you know, characters are a commodity that you can commercialize. Yeah. You can't really commercialize the story, right? Mm, Very true. And and I think so so I think that there's that's another sort of level to it. And I think that's why too you find that as a series goes on, it keeps introducing new characters. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you're getting a little tired of the old character, so let's introduce a new character. Or, you know, in huh. Her- and I think harems particularly, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we introduced you to the Sundari girl, so, you know, she's the one who plays hard to get and acts like she hates everybody, but really she has a heart of gold. So we've mm, got always. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we've got that. So now let's introduce a new type of girl. Because, mm-hmm. because we know that the male audience, some of them might hate Sundaris. So they might like the girl that's klutzy and kind of goofy, or maybe they like the girl that's very cool, calm, collected, and is an academic. And, you Mm. know, like hair that there's no, there, there's really no mistake in the fact that harems are composed of numerous girls that look different, act different, and it's all done to try and hook Mm. one Mm. particular reader, viewer, and that's why we have these debates that rage online, you know, best girl, who's your waifu, you know, like right. all these kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and and it's because you can read a single series and I've got five girls to choose from, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I, huh. and, and like maybe, and from a marketing point of view, hey, maybe I hate the main character, you know, like, like Sword Art Online, you know what? I'm not a huge fan of Asna, but, mm-hmm. but. 
seen on from Gun Gale Online, like, uh, you know, I've got one of her action figures. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's kind of why, yeah, like you have, it is very character driven because they know that in terms of how the books are structured, the overall story really isn't the reason that we're here. And we're really here for the journey and these little sort of incidents that the characters are going to encounter along the way. And you can only really care about those because you care about the characters. And then, of course, you know, you've got the marketing side and everything else. And even if you hate Girl A, you probably love Girl C. And so even if you won't buy Girl A's figures, you'll buy all the statues of Girl C. Hell yeah. <laughs> Girl C is awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> Always go for Girl C. Always go for girls. When in doubt, pick girl C. There you go. I'm a teacher. Sorry. C is, C is what works for me. There you go. <laughs> All right. So well. so actually, you've definitely thought about this a lot. Have you actually thought about writing some light novels as an author yourself? Uh, I have. Um, hmm? I'm, I mean, I'm working on... So I've been working on the last book of my Bleeding World series now for... I, I'm loath to say it, but it's been almost three years. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I need to finish I, that thing, Justice. Yeah, I know. I really do. I really do. It's one of those things that, like, every day I open up the file and I look at it and I'm like, today, today I finish you, and it never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think part of it's just that kind of, like, that anxiety over finishing. Mm, right. You know, like, that anxiety mm. of, what if I screw this up? And, like, because the end should be the best book. And if it's not, right. the. I've rewritten parts of that book more times than I care to think about. Um, mm. But I am working on the last chapter, so it's there. Um, okay, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's been the sole focus. But as I've been reading light novels and getting more into light novels, I recognize the strength of mm-hmm. that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that, and it's funny because as I'm writing my own books now, and I mean, my books are written very much in that North American style. It's a one story. You know, right. the four, the, you know, of course, different events happen, but really the story that started in book one is the story that will finish in book four. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of this one big, huge overarching story that all the different components feed into telling that story. Right. And, and now had the, having read light novels and seen what feels like freedom in their structure. Right. That, you know, huh. like I have felt, I, I almost feel kind of, locked in and painted into a corner with my book because mm-hmm. I have to tell this story. Right. You know, like, cause everything has led up to this story, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas when you take a look at light novels, it's like, really, if I can create some really awesome characters and kind of a good world to throw them into, I could pretty much tell whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. and I think that, you know, for me, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody who writes a book, but I think for me, that feels incredibly liberating in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, I can make up a world and I can make up stories to tell in that world. And, and I don't have to go A follows B follows C follows D follows E. I can do like A, E, C, F, G, and it doesn't really matter. Mm. You know, I can just tell mm. whatever story I feel like now because... All I have to worry about is like the first paragraph in the book has to explain how they went from the end of the last story to this one. Yep. And, and so hmm. there is a lot of, so I see a lot of freedom and uh, that kind of excites me. And I think too, just because now that I've become inundated with certain 
genres and stuff of, of anime and light novels and stuff like there's certain things that i want to write like i mean it'll sound silly maybe but uh i really want to write a magical girl story okay <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea that's the rough idea in the back of my head of what to do when i'm done with book four of the bleeding worlds mm. um but i think mm. the biggest challenge like i you know at the same time that i think of doing that um I think part of the challenge is, is that you look at it and you say to yourself, well, okay, but how, how do I make it something different and original that mm -hmm. people aren't going to read it and go, God, he's just ripping off this or God, he's just ripping off that. Especially, yeah. especially for someone like me, because my audience knows what I've read. Mm -hmm. You know, there's hmm. no hiding, you know, it's not like I'm just some guy who came out of left field and I wrote a book and, they're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of similar to this, but, you know, whatever. No, for me, they're like, Justice, I know you've read 10 volumes of Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? And you've blatantly ripped it off, dude. Like, they'll hmm. call me on it. I know they will. I think you're a little bit paranoid. I mean, oh. there's, I think that's that's valid, but I think that that's you're being a little bit paranoid, especially considering, always remember this, audiences want more of what they already love okay so if you're ripping off how to pick up girls in the dungeon for example guess what the people who love that book are gonna be like well it's kind of like the thing i already love and but it's more of it this is awesome and they're gonna love it <laughs> uh, well, unless you do it badly <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's part more the anxiety component <laughs> i i you're right and but i think that's i guess the thing is is that to me mm. um i think the other thing is is that uh, the Bleeding Worlds has been very, very structured around the mm. Norse myth of Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. mm. And I think that for me, too, I sort of, that's the other thing is that I have felt very beholden to mytholo existing mythology as opposed to creating my own. Mm. And so I think that, mm. you know, when I say, like, I want to create something original, it's not just the idea of I don't want to be called out for ripping off. Right. I don't, I don't want to find myself writing something and going, ah, this is just me regurgitating whatever like i want to Fair create enough. something that's my own you know like that that people look at it and they're like okay maybe there's some influence but it's not you know it's really not that thing because he's put his own spin and taken it to different places and so yeah I, but i think really in light novels that's i think that's the challenge is finding that balance though right the balance between mm. influence and the balance right. of plagiarism. <laughs> well, there's an old saying, of course, which is uh, good writers steal, great writers plagiarize. <laughs> yes. I think that was probably before the day where you could run computer software that actually checked <laughs> to see what percentage. Right. No, no, that was called Shakespeare. Remember, Shakespeare <laughs> was, was plagiarizing the hell out of old uh, Greek plays, even back yeah. in his day. Oh yeah, absolutely. pretty pretty much everything is plagiarized off something else. And yeah, yeah, you're right. There's some plagiarism software, but actually, you know, when Google started digitizing all their books, you know, they started going through all these giant archives and uh, digitizing books to create, yeah. you know, the Google Books thing and that. They um, one of the first things they kept this, they discovered was is that especially prior to about 1900, they 
they copied all these books, but they were discovering they're all the same book. They kept discovering that the that the same book had been published 19 different times under different authors because everyone was just literally just – they weren't even plagiarizing. They were literally just putting their name on it and reprinting it and selling it. Wow. Well, I you know what? I mean – I guess in the grand scheme of things, you figure like if you didn't have a distribution network back in those days, if you You went to London and got a book and then hopped a ship over to Canada, who the heck's going to have it in Canada? Exactly. And no one's going to really chase you for it. I mean, yeah, like like someone from England is going to come to Canada and complain. They're not going to set foot right. here. Even even, assu- huh. even assuming they even found the book, even if they did come to Canada, exactly. right? Like, they're, they're not likely yeah. to care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now things are, as you said, a little bit different. Yeah. But I would still argue that, look, I, my advice to you is don't get too hung up on originality. And I don't mean that in the sense of I'm not telling <laughs> you or anyone else to go out and just steal, steal, steal crazily or anything like that. But I, But I am saying that the person who is willing to like accept that you know here especially when you're writing stuff like this you have to accept that you're going to have to play by kind of quote unquote light novel rules which include certain types of characters and things like that and there's no yeah. harm in mm. that just have fun just do it well yeah and i mean mm. i i i hesitate to say that i'm going to write a light novel um, right i i what i would say is i want to write something that is light novel-esque right that, yeah mm-hmm. that takes what the best elements that appeal to me from light novels and then create something that's my own. And, you know, and yes, I do want to find an artist and hire them and actually have them do some cool illustrations for the covers and stuff like that. Like, um, Mm. you know, the, my previous covers for the bleeding worlds have all been, uh, sort of, um, collage images from, uh, my wife is a photographer. So like using some of her original imagery combined with some, characters that i found online and then photoshopping the hell out of it all like Mm. um but i would love to like have that and i think the other thing too is is that and i mean this is a (laughs) i probably shouldn't say this because you know people hate being sold to all the time but Mm. i think the other thing is is that you know the bleeding worlds has done fairly well for me i mean i won't say that i I can't quit my job that's for sure but Mm. but at the same time, I'm not one of those authors that I sold 50 copies and then nobody ever looked at my book again. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I, I did okay. Right. Um, and, but at this point, I have a very specific audience mm-hmm. uh, that is mainly built around that whole light novel audience. Right. And I guess that's kind of why, like, I'm a little conscious of not, mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe, like, more of the word is betraying that audience or, you know, like, or or feeling, making that audience feel like I'm you know, using them or using the material or whatever in a disrespectful way, right. because okay. I respect my, you know, cause I respect my audience and the, mm-hmm. and I, and I respect the, the, the works that I'm reading. It's, it's actually one of the reasons why I only read officially licensed books. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there are lots of light novel series that are not available in English officially, but you can find fan translations. Mm-hmm. I first of all stopped even trying to read them years ago because the grammar was so horrific. Yeah. I might as well have been, <laughs> I might as well have been reading it in Japanese. I might have understood it better. Mm, sometimes, um, yeah, like some of them were horrible. But but the other reason is is because I do write books and I don't want people to pirate my books. So why would I promote a book that you could only find by reading it in a way that the author's not making money off of it? Very true. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that, and I mean, again, that's that's a choice I make. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't feel that everybody needs to be beholden to what I do. Um, you know, I say to my audience, you know, like 
read what you read. Like, you know, I'm not one to judge. Mm. Uh, but for me, the books that I'm going to promote are the ones that you can go and buy and the author is actually going to make some money off of that book, right? Right. So, mm. um, but, you know, to say that, so respecting my audience, respecting the the writers that create these works that we enjoy, that's an important thing for me. Mm. And uh, I think that's where, like when I'm saying, you know, I don't want to do something that's just a rip off or whatever. I think it's because I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect myself, my audience, or the work that I've been enjoying. Mm. And, and by just kind of saying, Hey, buy my book. It's a complete ripoff of blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, and that's all completely valid and true. And I, and noble and everything, but, but, but in the end, don't let it become an excuse not to write. Well, and that's exactly, that's exactly it. Exactly. And I think that's the, and I think that's what I've struggled with even on my own writing, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, you, you do find a lot of ways to, to trick yourself or to convince yourself that, you know, today's not the day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. Um, And, and like I said, you know, you, you get yourself worried about what others are going to think and everything else um, and, and worried that, you know, oh God, I can't write this because then that's just going to, you know, and you go back and rework it and rework it. Like, mm-hmm. like I, it's funny. I, I say to people like, you know, once I write the end on this book, for a lot of authors, that would be first draft. Now we have to do a bunch of editing. Mm. I don't know what to call it. It's the first time that I've finished it, but it's certainly not the first draft because I've rewritten every chapter about four times by right. now. <laughs> So it's like, it's draft, I don't know, X, and then there'll be X.1 <laughs> tomorrow, mm. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, I, I do love writing. I love creating stories. Mm. I, you know, I, I love that whole, um, you know, there's something really gratifying. And, you know, I, I, I know that you've written a book, Rob. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, uh, Don, whether you've written anything book-wise, but... Um, you know, being able to sit down once you've edited it and divorce yourself from it for a while and then pick that book up and read it and be like, damn, you know, this isn't bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know that feeling, actually, especially when you're holding your book in your hands, like that paper oh. copy of it. Oh, yeah. 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 It's an incredible <laughs> feeling. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time I had a print copy, I, I was like, I, I just just stared at it for a long time and just kind of gently turned the pages so i didn't break the spine and you know <laughs> like and and yeah and then you start reading it and you're like damn you know i i, I don't want to sound egotistical but this is pretty good yep. like yeah I, I feel you dude i've been there i, I really have i 100 percent understand actually i wanted to ask you it's before sorry before we go quickly yeah, yeah. what do you think the future of light novels is oh what is the future of light? well you know what um I can't really speak for the Japanese market. I think the Japanese mm-hmm. market's going to continue the way it is. Right. I, I think you're going to continue to see if any change happens in the Japanese market. The only thing I can foresee is there will be more titles aimed at an older audience mm. as the audience grows up. Right. Um, like I said, we're already starting to see those titles, but I can see us seeing more of them. Right. In terms of like what kind of stories are they going to tell? I mean, right now there's like every story I can pretty much conceivably think of is already in light novel format, whether it be mystery, sci-fi, fantasy, horror. I mean, mm. it's all there. Right. Um, I, I think uh, in terms of English though, I, I think that 
we are starting to see the rise of light novels being licensed into English in sort of the same way that manga started years ago. Mm. Mm. Like, I think right now it's a still a fairly niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a fairly small market. I mean, like I said, I, I review light novels. I currently have about 3,600 people subscribed to my channel, which... You know, it's phenomenal for me. I think that's amazing. But, uh, mm. but you know, if I reviewed anime, I mean, there's guys who do anime channels that have a million subscribers. Yeah. So mm. we're still a very small niche kind of market. But uh, but in December, there were 25 volumes of light novels released. Holy crap. Uh, huh. In English, yep. And those are all official licensed products. Like that's... And I mean, so... Even though we do have months that are up and down, I think January there was like 12 or 13, but nonetheless, we're getting to the point in English where we're starting to rival manga releases Mm. in light novels. And I think you're going to see in another couple of years that it is, you know, people will talk light novels almost as as they commonly will talk about manga. You know, so, where hmm. e- even if you don't read, mon- you know, like today, even if you don't read manga, you pretty much know what it is. Right. Um, hmm. I-, I think light novels are going to get to that point. Um, it's still, like I said, I think it's still a couple years off, hmm. but definitely, you know, you're seeing more and more publishers getting behind it. Uh, J Novel Club, only a year ago, I think they launched with, I'm trying to remember, like there was just over a year ago they launched, I think they had three or four titles they're now one of the largest releasers of officially licensed light novels, um, you know, and they're only growing every single month. They, it seems like every two or three months they're bringing out new titles. Mm. Uh, Yen on every single time they have, uh, they have announcements. They're always announcing light novels. Uh, there's a company called Vertical. They've pretty much committed themselves to releasing all of the Monogatari books mm. by Nishio mm. Ishin. Um, so yeah, like we're seeing this. This thing is right now is very still, I think, small and niche. But I think English-wise, we're going to see it start to rival manga. And I think Japan will see it probably not change a lot other than having that appeal to older audiences. And I can see that right now we're getting about six light novels turned into anime a season. Mm. Mm. I can see that probably increasing down the road. I I definitely could do. Don, any final thoughts? Well, I just want to say, you know, this is a great interview. It's great having you on because when you look at the, the like, say, the Japanese light novel industry and you go anywhere, it's huge. There's just so much. And it's good to have kind of a starting point. You came in with, with some history and some good ideas of where to start and how to take it. And that's fantastic because I know Rob's into this. I've just kind of started getting into it. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's just this giant tsunami when you first start looking into it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, well, I mean, on in Japan, I say 25 novels. That sounds like a lot in Japan. That's like probably a slow month. Right. Uh, mm. Yeah. Very well for, for one publisher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> slow month for yeah, one publisher. Wrong. Okay. Yep. So on that note, again, thank you very much, Justice, for coming on. I echo Don's sentiments. It was a great interview and uh, we really appreciate it. So, I I really appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. You are most welcome. And listeners, tune in next time uh, (laughs) when we'll talk about something else that's amazing and fantastic. Good night, folks. (laughs) Good night. Thanks for listening to the show. 
If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya! See ya!